0: Les hommes s'en sont allés, Apollo, vers la lune chercher l'été. Apollo, ils ont défié le cosmos. Apollo, ils ont chanté sans écho. Apollo, laissant la terre sa misère. Je ne sais pour quelle raison, Apollo. Ils ont tous tourné en rond Apollo Voulait-il nous découvrir Apollo Du diamant ou un saphir Apollo Laissant la terre et sa misère L'amour est là Qui nous ouvre les bras Pourquoi partir Sans pouvoir nous guérir Vers l'immensité Qui nous éblouit Jour et nuit parti, Apollo, pour l'inconnu l'infini, Apollo, ils n'ont pas pu résister, Apollo, en nos frontières limitées, Apollo, laissant la terre et sa misère, mais les combats continuent, Apollo, sur la terre entre tribus, Apollo, Et la fin s'installe déjà. Apollo, dans les villes par-ci par-là. Apollo, sur cette terre et sa misère. L'amour est là, qui nous ouvre les bras. Pourquoi partir sans pouvoir nous guérir Vers l'immensité qui nous éblouit, jour et nuit.
1: Welcome back to Ornate Stairwells. I'm Autumn, and I'm joined as always by Nia. Hi, I'm Neve. This is a podcast where we talk about movies. Segment one, we're going to talk about all the other movies we've watched this week, and segment two, we'll get into a discussion of um, Soleil O. But before we get to Soleil
2: and segment three, after the end music, we're going to yes. talk for an hour.
1: Yes, that's the other thing. Is <laughs> so after we talk about Soleil O, we'll do plugs. Um, I oh, I have a little announcement to do in just a second, but we'll do plugs. You'll hear Bella Lugosi's dead. And then after Bella Lagosi's dead, there's another hour of podcast for you this time. We always do like a little like ooh, chit chat to warm up. This time we talked for an hour, and there's heavy Nana spoilers, so <laughs> yeah, at the very end.
2: yeah, so you can you can stop and we start yeah about if, Nana you, if you if you, if you haven't read Nana,
1: um I'm gonna spoil a thing, and you'll be like, oh, that's a spoiler." And then you'll just turn off the podcast because from there we just dive deep on the spoilers. so yeah, anyway. Uh, bracket. Should
2: we talk about the bracket yeah, first? Yes,
1: let's talk about the bracket first. So, um, <clears throat> in our last episode, um, we talked about... If you go to challenge, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E dot com slash stairwells. There is a bracket up there right now. Um, you can make your predictions. Nia and I put every movie we've covered for stairwells and a bunch of other movies we like into a bracket. And we have recorded an episode... Where we decided the winner of that bracket. Um, and you can go in and put in your predictions,
2: and I think so if ther- you are if you are listening to this in the Patreon feed.
1: You have a couple days left. Yeah. I think here's so it's
2: Thursday, I think, is almost Well, we'll, well put it here's out.
1: here's the thing I realized is that no. I think Thursday there's going to be Coffee and Comic Books and Pardon My Franchise. Friday there's going to be Ghost, Ghost Divers. Divers. So I think maybe. Monday, I think like six days after this episode that you're hearing right now.
2: Yeah.
1: um, We will put up that that um that bracket episode. So we will close predictions probably yeah. like Sunday. Um, we'll put up the bracket episode on Monday. That'll be exclusive for five dollar patrons. So if you want to hear like. First of all, our takes on like every movie we've ever covered and also like what what is the best movie we've ever covered for this podcast? Scientifically speaking, yeah. definitely nothing was weird because of seating and definitely, you know, like nothing gets knocked off early because of seating. It's scientific. This is the best movie we've ever covered. Um,
2: I, I mean, it kind of is.
1: Yeah. And also it challenge does a thing where it, um, you know, gives you a score, uh, based on how well your predictions are. So, if you win, you get a prize. Yeah. At the very least, we'll acknowledge you on the podcast. I know that I won the VoIP Life Bracket, and I don't know. Did I get
2: a prize? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I got third place. Yeah. They were bigger weebs than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike uh, us,
1: we're never weebs on this podcast. No. We didn't just spend an hour talking about non-honor podcasts where... We cover more uh, Japanese directors than anything
2: else. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this in the free feed, uh, hopefully you did it after you, you heard it last episode, where we talked about it, like at the end or whatever. Yeah. Uh, cause now it's too late. We yeah. put it out yesterday. Yeah, but you can still go listen to it. It's you, still great. But yeah, you're you're late getting in your
3: prediction.
1: Five dollar patron tier for that episode. So. Yes. Um, No hard feelings if you bump it up for one month uh, and then you get that and you're like, I don't care about coffee and comic books. I'm going to bump my patron back down. Uh, You should care
2: about coffee and comic books. You should care. And there will be like
1: a little bit of hard feelings, but like not the worst hard feelings. I'll only only judge you as much as I judge customers who don't tip at my job, you know?
2: I'll probably judge you slightly less than that, but. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, do you want to tell me about sleepers? Um. Yeah. So one, if people want to hear us talk about sleepers, they can go listen to Pondering putan Expert with Aji Shirotaro slash <laughs> Pondering putan with Aji Shirotaro and Hachimitsu Boy. Um, Connor's been doing this thing uh-huh. for a while now. Uh, sometimes coming up by accident, like fully. I don't think he's doing it purposefully. But we've had multiple episodes where Connor is trying to remember a movie and is describing stuff from the movie, but is also sometimes being jokingly obtuse about it, uh, leaving out key details that would help, um, not responding when I do actually say which Ozu movie it is, uh, carefully not saying anything until I say another title and then saying, oh no, not that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, it's reached the point where where people have taken notice. I think on this podcast.
1: On this podcast, I described it as I feel like I'm getting gaslit every time it happens. Yeah. But then of course I showed up on Putin and participated in the gaslighting.
2: So the 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 chapter that we did, um, where I watched Sleepers was called Sleepers. Mm. I think named after this movie because uh as it said in this movie, Sleepers is slang for like uh you know, juvies basically like mm. juvenile delinquents, uh, that kind of vibe who like go to prison or whatever, um, to, you know, juvie prison. Um, so I specifically watched it to like, this is what the chapter is referencing in the chapter title. I can get a good song from that. Cause I always try to have the song be related to whatever the chapter title is referencing. Uh-huh. Uh, which is sometimes easy when it, the name of the chapter title is like, let it be. Yeah. <laughs> you guess what that one's referencing? Uh, or Welcome to the Jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then I also figured I would do this whole thing where I would insist that we talk about the manga, that we talk about the chapter Sleepers, and then I would just describe stuff from the movie Sleepers. Mm-hmm. So people can go listen to that episode. Uh, I think it was a funny episode. You guessed it. I did. Um, you played along. Yes. Somewhat. Somewhat.
1: I, I feel like I'm not... <laughs> you and connor say that you enjoy me being on the podcast i always feel like i'm i'm not like a funny person i don't think and you two just have a very good yes and energy and that i just never i'm like yeah i i'm either being just yeah. like yes or just like like not knowing how to say the and part like i just feel like i'm not i'm i'm not well equipped for putan but you always yeah. say you enjoy me having me so
2: it's always fun yeah Um, Connor and I have honed our weird banter over like years of working in the same office Uh and joking around all the time. So, um, and then obviously doing it on ghost divers in the post ED section, Mm -hmm. which is the ghost divers equivalent of the non-homeophobia zone. But, uh, we have a straight person on that one. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just checking that I spelled
1: something correctly. Don't mind me.
2: Okay. Um, anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, one, it's one of those where it's, like, they just don't make movies like this, really. hmm Um, where it's kind of, like, like it's this, like, fairly big blockbuster that's kind of just forgotten now. hmm Um, and that has some, like, start, like, Brad Pitt is, is in it and was in Seven the year before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's, like, he's, like, kind of still on his rise. Yeah. You know? I feel like he hasn't, like, quite hit, like, full stardom. You know? Yeah,
1: I'm trying to think. Like, what's the? You you keep talking. I'm just gonna Google Brad Pitt real quick and just find. Yeah. It. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to determine what is the height
2: of Brad Pitt's
1: popularity here.
2: Um, but uh, so the basic premise, which I don't really get into, on uh, he's on almost sixty. Yeah. Um. So there's these these four uh kids who are like. Living in Hell's Kitchen, um, lightly in, you know, involved in sort of uh, street crime stuff. Uh, mostly oh, being like be delivery. Troy. It's gotta be oh, like,
1: because yeah. Mister and Mrs. Mister and Mrs. Smith is truly a movie that you like only make when you are at the height of your popularity.
3: You know, yeah, like
1: like you can you can't sell Mister and Mrs. Smith on anything other than. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are extremely famous. Like there's no reason to watch that movie other than these two people are very famous. Would you like to watch the famous people?
2: Yeah. Um, and like the oceans 11, like the ocean series and Troy are like him just being full movie star. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's like these four boys who are lightly involved in organized crime. They're mostly like running messages and like money for for the mob um they also go to a catholic church this movie is uh extremely catholic is very uh you know focused on ideas of catholicism and guilt and everything Mm -hmm. it's a a whole component of it um and there's the cool priest you know who who, uh talks to them on the basketball court that kind of priest Mm -hmm. um Played by, uh, let, me, let me just pull this up. I want to make sure I'm getting... Um...
1: Can I can I read you a crazy thing? Okay. In 2001, Pitt co-founded the production company Plan B Entertainment. He produced The, de- the Departed, 12 Years a Slave, and Moonlight, all of which won Best Picture, while others such as The Tree of Life, Moneyball, Selma, and The Big Short were nominated for the award. I didn't realize that Brad Pitt was like... Such a prolific producer. I, I knew he was a producer. I assumed he just did, like, movies he was in.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, Robert De Niro plays this this cool priest who talks to them on the basketball court mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and he's trying to, like, set them straight, basically. Recognizing that they could go... There's, like, this talk of, like, the sides. You know, the Catholic Church and the mob. Mm-hmm. Like, both sides will kind of talk about, like where are people going to go? You know? Yeah. Like the two options laid out for you here in health kitchen is being a good Catholic or joining the mob. Yeah. Another form of being a Catholic. I do. I
1: do love Yakuza movies.
2: Yeah. So anyway, um, they do this thing where they like, uh, try to, so one person like steals a hot dog, like asks for a hot dog and doesn't pay for it when he gets it. And Mm -hmm. runs off and then the rest go to like raid the hot dog cart while the guy's chasing after him. If he does chase after him, Mm -hmm. you know, you either get one free hot dog. He doesn't chase after the the one person or everybody gets a free hot dog. Right. Um, And it's the guy who's like the best runner or whatever. Okay. Okay. This time they decide they're just going to steal the whole hot dog cart as a prank. Uh, there's a part where the guy catches up to them, finds out what's going on. And so they're like, how we're going to get away from this is we're going to try and like, we're going to start pushing it down the stairs into the subway. And so then he'll grab onto it and be struggling to pull it back up. And we'll be able to book it away while mm-hmm. he's like pulling it back up, but they lose control of it. And it, it f- goes down the stairs and I forget if it just kills a guy or almost kills a guy, but um, it was a very like ridiculous scene. I was like, this is it is a hot dog cart. smash it into someone and like going yeah yeah. anyway um supposedly based on true events from um lorenzo uh carcateras he like has this book that he claims to be uh, semi-autobiographical um anyway they end up in a juvenile detention center where there's uh sort of extensive abuse, including they are sexually abused by one of the guards played by Kevin Bacon. Hmm. Um, and then this is like an hour of the two and a half hour film is you like get to this point. Then the interesting part of it happens, which is that there's a time skip, and so I knew that like vaguely this would probably be about getting revenge against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what little I knew about this this movie. Uh, and so I was kind of surprised when like the, the time skip starts and two of the, the boys have uh you know got now gone into crime. Mm-hmm. Uh seem to maybe be hitmen or something. They have guns on them. They're at a bar, just hanging out, and one of them sees the security guard, um, the like prison guard, um, who sexually abused them, and he goes into the bathroom. And just stares in it, being like, "I can literally just kill this man right now." Uh-huh. And then they go back out, and he's just like, you know, goes to to his friend, and is like, "Look, who's sitting over there?" And they both recognize, and they go sit over, and they're like, you know, the he doesn't recognize them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, makes sense that we would remember you, and you wouldn't." Mm-hmm. Uh, and gives them just enough that he like realizes what's happening, and then they just unload into him, and like people in the bar are just like screaming and stuff, and they uh-huh. leave. Uh-huh. Um, and that's just like. The first scene after the time skip, it's is just like this intense scene of like, the the shot of like, um, in the bathroom looking in the mirror and just like realizing that you can just kill this man, uh, is like really well acted. It's one of the best shots in the film.
1: It's genuinely shocking that a movie from nineteen ninety six would do a time skip instead of just cutting back and forth. Yeah, like like this is like the era of Scorsese and Tarantino. And, and, you know, obviously, like, Godfather Part Two, doing this, like, decades prior, um, it is shocking that this is not just, like, we're cutting back and forth between the, yeah. the present and the flashbacks.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you get a couple, like, flashbacks to, like, memory stuff as it goes on, um, but there's not a lot. Huh. It's, it's fairly linear. That is so um,
1: weird. That's just, that felt like the style of crime epics at the time, you know? Yeah.
2: Um, But then what becomes really interesting shows up, which is so in this it's revealed they've never have like even these two boys who've grown up into men now uh, work together as criminals constantly have never talked to each other about what happened. Mm-hmm. They have just remained silent about it until they see the man there and they go and shoot him
3: mm-hmm.
2: because they in that moment they are like able to recognize and acknowledge between each other what happened um even if they otherwise just pretend it didn't um and then what happens is so they uh are put on trial for the murder um and so uh Lorenzo who's the you know the writer of the book mm-hmm. um he is helping out uh like basically gets a call from Brad Pitt's character um and Brad Pitt is a prosecutor and he's like I'm going to take this case and Lorenzo's like why like this is like betrayal basically Mm -hmm. he's like i'm going to take it to throw the case uh we need to like talk to the the connections that you might still have with like you know an old mob boss like there's this uh attorney who's um played by dustin hoffman who's kind of like old and washed up and um They don't do too much into, but like he is like struggling with addiction and stuff. Uh Um, But they're basically like, we're gonna get him in because basically we can just feed him how to do the case. Uh, You will like I will give you the stuff and then you'll give it to him and he won't know that the prosecutor is the one giving the stuff to him. Mm. But I'm basically gonna play both sides of the case, Mm. Um, so that I can throw the case and get them off. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're this is how we're going to, like, fi- finalize the revenge. And also in this process, we will call in like I will call in one of the other mean people who were abusing us as a witness. And then I will have fed stuff to the defense to press to then reveal the like stuff that was happening there Uh, where that guy will then get in trouble and hopefully more stuff will get uncovered and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, and I wish I'd explored it a little bit more, but like the most interesting tension then is, um, Brad's, Brad Pitt, his character is like, we have to, to some degree, talk about what happened to us. Um, and nobody seems to want to do that. Um, and you know, Lorenzo doesn't want to, and, and Brad Pitt is like, do you still sleep with the lights on? do you want to just be able to sleep without the lights on? Like, that's We have to talk about this. That's good. Um, That's good. But it still becomes this thing of like, there's a certain amount. One of the most powerful scenes is where Lorenzo, in order to finally convince the, the cool priest played by Robert De Niro to, Go and give this testimony that will help get them off. Mm-hmm. He is going to have to lie under oath, and there's this whole thing of like his internal struggle as a priest to put his hand on a Bible and, and swear to tell the truth and then lie.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and this it does not work in the like immediate moment, but eventually it does. Like in the end, he is convinced because of this, but he doesn't immediately respond. Um, but Lorenzo. Finally says in front of also like one of their old friends. So it's just like this priest and their uh one of their other friends who um is I think Minnie Driver uh-huh. is playing her. Um like just details what he remembers of the assaults. Um in a way that like none of these people have talked about this before. Mm. Um and so then that's also like and some of that. They, like, don't give you all the, you know, there's some, like, montaging, so it's not the full drawn-out descriptions, yeah. which I think is the right choice. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and then there's also the part where this is a a, a great scene um, that also is, like, who this has some, like, more resonance from stuff that happened with the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, there's a part where he's further trying to... Cause he one of the things that you do get is him talking about how he was like told to give a blowjob and you need not know what that is. And then he goes to communion and has to open his mouth so that the, the priest, the cool priest right, will put yeah. the wafer into his mouth. Um like shortly after that conversation. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is doing stuff. Yeah. So yeah. the the last like hour and a half I thought was a really interesting movie. Um the first hour, the part where it's just like kids doing a little mafia. Story thing, I was like, mm, I don't really care this that much about this. I like crime movies, but this is just not hitting for me. Yeah. Um, and then the stuff in the prison was just kind of hard to watch and wasn't like fun, you know, uh-huh. or like interesting. It was just like, uh, yeah, bad stuff happens to people. It's... Um, and it's like some. It was kind of like, it, in a way that sometimes it can be interesting, but this didn't until you got this the stuff later where it becomes about. Their inability to talk about it and trying to get revenge in a way where they don't trust the system to give them closure and so they have to like try to play the system. Did this get did this get like
1: Oscar Buzz at all? Um Um,
2: I don't know.
1: Accolades, uh one nomination. John Williams
2: got Best original dramatic score.
1: Yeah, which, I mean... Yeah. If John Williams does a movie and you don't nominate him, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, uh, I No, it's just interesting. I was thinking about um, this movie and, and Doubt and Spotlight, and there is a weird... Not that... So, this is a movie about the Catholic Church and also child sexual abuse, right? Yeah. Um, There's, like, a, a weird... Undercurrent in American cinema of the last, this came out in '96, like yeah. the last couple decades of like people being like sort of willing to talk about like child sexual abuse and you know the ways in which that is caught up in the church, uh, but like nothing's ever come of that. Like, there have been like a number of like acclaimed movies that have been about this and. Really, nothing's ever happened because yeah. of it. Nothing's ever gotten better. And for the most part, we don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I just was thinking about that.
2: I don't have a point to make. It just sucks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this one was weird, too, because of the way that uh the church was, like... There was things that were, like... Uh, hitting at that, but also the church is not what's doing the abuse, right? It's like yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, but also, there's stuff from like the, the author from his book, where, um, because the, the, um, you know, whatever like New York hmm. detention facility, like, denies that there's any abuse, there's never any case like this, um, as well, like, stuff that, like is pointing to this not being factual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he talks about like, well, I had to like move things from, from here to there and stuff. When you're telling a story like this, like yeah. you have to fictionalize stuff because of everybody involved. Um And so there's a certain amount of it being like, is this book more aware of what happened in the Catholic church? Mm-hmm. Like with him writing it more aware and shifting things around some. I don't
3: yeah. Know. It's also, you know,
1: also to the side of this, This comes out in 96. There's American History X in 98. There's Shawshank a couple years before. There's a lot of uh, Green Mile. Um, There's a lot of 90s movies and into the 2000s that are like very much on their face about the abuses and the horrors of the American prison system. And that's also something that no one's ever going to do anything about it. We're just going to keep making like movies about how bad it is but no one's gonna do anything (laughs) yeah um i not that you know like oh cinema should be a force for change in the world like it should but like i know that we live in a world where that's not true
2: (laughs) you know yeah it's
1: just a bummer there
2: there are other things that are a bigger force for change in the world than cinema yes
1: yes that's a better way of saying it for example,
2: violent uprisings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just as... Just for, as an example. For example, if there were a society where prisons were a for-profit endeavor that, that uh, say, for example, made money by increasing human suffering and trying to imprison as many people as possible, and that is a like racialized... Uh, system that targets one group far, far, far more than any other group. That would be fucked up. And maybe a violent uprising would be an appropriate response to that sort of situation, perhaps. Yeah.
2: <laughs> or at least a more effective one.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm
2: not saying that people should do it, just that it would probably be more effective than making a movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Given, given the choice, if I could flip the switch... Over, legally
2: speaking, I'm not saying that people should.
1: I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> if I could do one or the other, I feel like I know which one would be better
2: at getting rid of this. Yeah. Than... <laughs> anyway. But legally speaking, we are not advocating for any kind of violent uprising in a response to any injustices. Yeah. In any uh, way that could be criminally...
1: Yeah. No one's listening to this. No one cares. Yeah. I just think it's a funny bit. <laughs> just...
2: it, it's like how uh, I always talk about how it's parody when I say that you should pirate stuff. Yeah. That is parody, by the way. I just...
1: there's a There was a tweet earlier this week that I keep thinking about... You should
2: buy every single movie that you watch on iTunes. You should. um you should
1: buy them on iTunes and Amazon to maximize yeah. how many great corporations are getting your money. You know, they're great because they're successful. Yeah.
2: No, I, even if you are also subscribed and you should be subscribed to all of the streaming services and you're subscribed to one that has the movie, you should still buy it too.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, no, I just, <laughs> I was thinking about this. There's this really funny tweet that I saw earlier this week, uh, that I thought about every single day and we're just kind of doing this tweet right now. And it's, the tweet, so the tweet itself, the CIA guy monitoring me is like, he has too much street wisdom. His heart is too big. He smoked more different than anyone. His bitch is too bad.
3: We have to take him out.
1: <laughs> and then the, th- the specific variation of this that I'm thinking of is that tweet transparently laid over a picture of Gastrow. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. this is true. This yeah. is actually a Fidel Castro's life. His bitch was too bad. <laughs>
3: um He did smoke more different than everybody else. He really did.
1: Um Tell
2: me about the Hobbit.
1: Uh so yeah, um as we've been recording this, Nora put out um uh Mordor movie night. Which the first can, one, yeah. <clears throat> you can listen to at exportodd.io. That's out on the Patreon, or in two
3: weeks? Question mark.
1: Nora might have just done the usual one week thing. She might be doing the two week thing. I don't know. Um, that'll be at exportodd.io/slash bag end. No, um, we all Nora, me, Jackson, M. We watched um, the Rankin and Bass um, <clears throat> Hobbit. Uh, from 1977. Um, it's like a TV special. It's like an hour 17. Um, it's for kids, and so it's got a lot of songs in it. Um, I have a vinyl of it. Yeah, it's... Um, there's commercial breaks and after every commercial break, someone has to be like, oh, no, I'm in the clutches of the dragon smog or oh, no, the spiders are going to like you have to be caught up on. Things. It's a very good. It's a very good movie. We had a really good discussion about it. Um, I think it is like. uh, So as, aesthetically, it's a like a weird mixed bag, you know, like visually I have. We, I feel weird about it. We could talk about that in a sec. But as far as, like, adapting the book The Hobbit, I think this is a literally, like, perfect, like, adaptation as far as just the script goes. Of, like, yeah, you should put in a bunch more songs. And, yeah, you should, like, you know, cut down on some of the exposition at the very start and reshuffle it around to, like, over here. And, like, like there is a... You should make sure it works for kids. You should make sure that it works for children watching this on TV, you know, like children that are going to watch 15 minutes and then get distracted, you know? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah.
1: Which is certainly how I first encountered this. It would just be on Cartoon Network and I would see bits and pieces of it here and there. Um, <clears throat> I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, what was I going to say? There was another thing about how I feel about it as an adaptation. Anyway, um, the, the 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 big problem I have with the movie, uh, broadly speaking, is that so they're really good at drawing all the monsters. Smog looks incredible. The goblins look amazing. Um, the warg are cool. Um, all that I love all that. Um, unfortunately, all the the people also look like wretched little monsters. Bilbo is so repugnant to me in this movie. <laughs> I hate his gigantic and yet also tiny little beady eyes. <laughs> I, I hate his hairy feet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's so wretched to me. Um, uh, Gandalf is so wrinkly. <laughs> I, I, I love this. this is just this is um this is like for me one step removed from growing up in the 90s really growing up in the 2000s i'm born in 96 like growing up in the 2000s i would see 80s cartoons and be like those are old cartoons those are boring and dumb like I like the new He-Man show. I like the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show, not the '80s ones, you know. And this is like one step removed from, I think, like the general '80s cartoon style, you know. Yeah. Um, this oh, has I like, just love
2: this.
1: This has this has like one foot in um, '80s cartoons and one foot in Disney, um, and so it's it's truly just a like personal preference thing. But I just, I just hate the bags under Bilbo's eyes. Oh, Oh, I love them. They're wretched. Oh, I love them. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, you may not recall, um, or whatever. Um, One, John Huston, director of many, many things. Stuff we've covered for this podcast, I think. I can't uh, conjure what it would be in my head right now. But like... um, (sighs) John Houston plays Gandalf and does fantastic. Um he's most rec- Oh, he's the director of The African Queen. Oh yeah. Um bunch bunch of other stuff like yeah. Um and then um Otto Preminger voices the uh Wood Elf king, Thranduil. Um and <laughs> I so I saw that very early and I was like, "Oh, Otto Preminger's going to be in this movie. It's th- how delightful. I hope I recognize him when he shows up." And then the the Elf King is just for no explicable reason very German. Extremely German. The most German <laughs> And it's like I've spotted Otto. <laughs> I I know who Otto is. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, uh The Hobbit, very good movie. Um Uh Oh, that's that was the other thing I was gonna say, is that I feel like in the twenty first century When you're adapting things, especially something like The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, where there's a certain reverence around it, I feel like, as a a screenwriter, there would be a temptation to, like, take literal, like, lines of dialogue or whatever from the book and put it in the movie. And this doesn't do that, you know? The only time it does that is, like... The riddles, or...? The riddles and i am gandalf and gandalf means me yeah but like yeah and not having seen the peter jackson lord of the rings or hobbit movies but like i know like i recall like like if i was writing a fellowship of the ring adaptation i would feel a certain amount of pressure to um in to um include the whole good morning how do you mean good morning conversation you know?
2: Yeah.
1: um, And it's just not a, the sort of thing that this book does or this movie does. And I like, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it recognizes this is an adaptation of this story into a different medium. <laughs> um,
2: you are, you are
1: looking up Bilbo's pizza in a pan right now.
2: Yeah. Um, sorry for the like typing and clicking on the podcast. Yeah. Um, what we should really do at the end of all the Mortar movie night and stuff mm-hmm. is somehow get uh, Jackson here, and we all take a road trip to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and go to Bilbo's and eat there. <laughs> <laughs> and then record an episode about it. <laughs> Maybe from the Bilbo's. Who knows? It depends on how crowded it is. Um, this was like my favorite restaurant when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just all like uh, Lord of the Rings ass theming. Uh, the one that I think is the funniest is the sandwich. Oh, that's... Tom Bombadil,
1: Tom Bombadillo by Turkey Bread and Dill by Lettuce and Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> it like almost runs. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, if
2: I had spun it a little bit, it could have. Well, it's funny too because these are the names of the sandwiches. So this one is The Choice of Master Samwise, Peregrine's P- Pleasure, <laughs> Ned Bracegirdle can make a meal of this one. On Bagshot Row, the hobbits are sensible and down to Middle-earth. <laughs> the one you said, which yeah. is my f- my favorite. Ho, <laughs> oh,
1: Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo by Turkey Breaded Dill by Lettuce and Tomato. Uh,
2: a Beef in the Dark. I think that was a really funny, A Beef in the too. Dark is really good. <laughs> uh, the old Took lived 130 years and he never tasted anything this good. I can't... Okay, so, like, I have an irrational anxiety
1: when I go to... When I go somewhere, especially especially at sandwich shops, like because sandwich shops always do this, where like I know that this menu item is a turkey club, but your restaurant has decided to call it some goofy bullshit. Yeah, and I have this irrational anxiety that I must also call it the r- goofy bullshit because if I just call it a turkey club, and then you bring me something else. I'm going to be mad.
2: <laughs> they have a solution for this. Uh-huh. So say that you want Milo Burroughs extra special treat, which is sliced breast of turkey, hickory smoked bacon, cheddar cheese topped with coleslaw on the sandwich, heated on seven grain bread. I would not want this. You but... don't have to say Milo Burroughs extra special treat. You say, I'll have the number eight.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: It's the number right there.
1: There's There was, um in Lawrence, there was um the Yellow Sub, which was a Beatles-themed sandwich place. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think they did that.
2: I also like the Return of the King. Roast beef, shredded lettuce, fresh tomato slices, served with mayo, and seven-grain bread. That's probably what I would get. Yeah. I, I like a simple sandwich. When I
1: go somewhere and you get a sandwich, I don't, I just like meat, tomatoes, lettuce, usually.
2: Thorin Shield. That one's good. Very funny to me. A Fellowship of Cheeses. Mmm. That's, their, that's like their fancy grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, uh, okay. Um, conjured by Gandalf himself. <laughs> a shadow of the past. Bag end BLT. Mm-hmm. This is really what I would order. Yeah. I love a BLT so much. Uh, it took 13 strong young dwarves to carry Bomber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is his legacy. Hard style salami, white meat tuna salad, cheddar and Swiss cheeses, shredded lettuce and tomato slices, mustard and mayo served on an Italian roll.
2: I don't like this. I don't like tuna salad very much. No, I don't like tuna salad. Um, ham fast delight, old fatty Lumpkin, whose wise nose led him here. What was the name of the sandwiches? Mm-hmm. Um, I just—they also have pizza. Okay, so like, but like, so there, there's just tons of like art up in this place too. That like, it's it's a Lord of the Rings themed uh, pizzeria that is from a time when like it was the books. Uh Right. So there's just like a bunch of like Lord of the Rings fantasy art. And I think there's like some stuff that's like a little bit in the like Rankin and Bass vibe stuff.
1: Yeah. That's it. So a cool thing about the Rankin and Bass movie is that you meet the wood elves, right? And like they're weird little gremlin men. They have long, long, long skinny legs and skinny fingers. And they're green. And they wear like fur like they're like fur trappers and like they're weird little they're weird little goblin men and then like the goblins like they're not they're not green guys they're like kind of bulky and they talk and they have jaws that open like 12 feet wide and
2: it's just like (laughs) I'm just looking at all this stuff and like feeling nostalgic
1: um, you're, you're showing me a poster that says, take a growler home and enjoy Bilbo's today. Um, but yeah, it's just like, there's a, there's a like looseness and a freedom to like the creature designs because you're not trying to like, I'm not trying to sell like Legolas action figures. And so the, the wood elves can be little green weirdos, you know? Yeah. Like, Elrond could have an inexplicable halo above his head because, I don't know, why wouldn't Elrond have an inexplicable halo?
2: You know? Did this, did this happen? This did have be so mad. This is an article that says Is Bilbo's Pizza in Portage being leveled for Chick fil A? Um, this is an article is from 2016. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't been to Bilbo's in a while. Hmm. Uh, if this happened, it would be the worst thing that Chick fil A ever did honestly <laughs> I can forgive them for the homophobia I cannot forgive them for leveling <laughs> Bilbas um, I'm allowed to say it we're a allo- we are allowed to eat chick-fil-a if we want I yeah, think
1: God we do not live anywhere near our chick-fil-a like.
2: Yeah, you have to go
1: downtown for that shit here. I'm so... Because when Nora and I were in St. Louis, like, she worked in the same parking lot as a Chick-fil-A. Man, I ate so much Chick-fil-A. I really like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and yeah. we ate that shit constantly. The only reason I do not eat Chick-fil-A anymore is because, like, I'm not I'm not having Chick-fil-A delivered to me and I'm not driving three miles for
2: Chick-fil-A. Yeah. You live in Chicago. If you want some fried chicken, there's a Popeye's on every corner.
1: Right. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Somebody, this, somebody at my work this week, I don't usually talk about working at Starbucks on here or what I do. I like talk around it, but like, I, I'm just going to say Starbucks this time. Cause you just keep it on the deal. Yeah. It's chill. Anyway. um, So somebody came in, And was like, yeah. So this drink, can you make it with no ice? Because I'm bringing it to my friend, and I'm not gonna see them for like three hours, and so like I just need it no ice so it won't melt. And I was like, sure. You, I don't need your life story to make a drink with no ice, but sure. Um, And in my head, I'm like, you will pass eight other Starbucks. Between now and when you see your friend in three hours. Yeah. You're in Chicago. There's a Starbucks everywhere. I drive past two Starbucks in the, like, mile it takes for to get from my place to yours. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just refuse to believe that in three hours, when you see your friend, you will not be somewhere where you cannot just get Starbucks then. Yeah. Why, why would you just... not Whatever. This was this wasn't at like noon. This was at like noon. This wasn't at like oh it was eight p.m. and so there wasn't going to be a Starbucks open. This was at like a totally normal time of day.
2: Yeah. Um. Anyway, I gave Sleepers an A for stairs. I forgot to say that I gave The Hobbit an F for stairs. Um. No stairs in The Hobbit. No stairs in The Hobbit. I think the main stairs in Sleepers are the the one that the hot dog cart goes down. Last Which is its own kind of something going down and facing the consequences of your actions. Last but not least, I saw Highlander Endgame. After this, I'm going to have to pee, just so you know.
1: I So I don't, I've never been like, Nia, you need to watch this movie for from franchise. Never in my life have I been like, oh, you got to watch Highlander 2. Oh, you got to watch RoboCop 3. Oh, you have to watch Night of the Living Dead 6 or whatever. I don't care. You've got to watch Highlander Endgame. Okay. You will flip your fucking shit when See? Donnie Yen shows up. <laughs> like, maybe you won't because you'll have it spoiled that, like, Donnie Yen is showing up in a way that we didn't. Yeah. But, man, Highlander Endgame fucking rocks, dude. <laughs> um, um, Highlander Endgame is so fucking good. Yeah. You need to use the restroom. I and do. I've I, really, done a pod- I really got a I've I've already done a podcast about Highlander Endgame, so you get out of here. I don't need to tell people about it more. But
2: you can you can rate the stairs while I go if you uh, remember any.
1: I had to consult Nora's wisdom, and she said that Donnie Yen strikes a cool pose in front of some stairs, but that's about it. Mm. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a C minus.
2: A C for being in front of some stairs.
1: A d, like plus, a d plus. D plus. I'm not gonna vamp. I don't have anything to say, really. Um, I just haven't been watching movies. You know, um, it's chill. It'll come. It'll come back around. I'm not really worried about it. Like this happens. It's been like a little bit of a longer period of not watching movies than I'm used to. Like it usually feels like, oh, February, I didn't watch movies, but March, I'm back at it. And this has been like January through March so far. But I'm not really pressed. I'm enjoying just reading comics and, you know, work's been so stressful. It's just been hard to, uh, it's it's hard to find, it's not just hard to find the time. It's easy. It's easy to find the time. It's been hard to tell myself, now for the next two hours, I will be doing this thing. This is going to be what's eating up my my attention. I've also, I, you know, um, I don't know if I have, uh, ADD or ADHD. Uh, but certainly, like, other people in my life who definitely have ADD or ADHD are like, uh, tell me that they suspect that I have it too, you know? Uh, and if that is true, I feel like I've been really struggling with it lately, uh, to where just the idea of like watching one thing for two hours has just been like, No, I couldn't possibly. (laughs) And I think it'll it'll just sort of naturally even itself out. It uh, it helps that, like, I haven't seen anything recently that really knocked my socks off. I guess Smooth Talk is it, but then immediately after Smooth Talk, you know, the, the podcast got derailed for so long. And the podcast is, like, such a big part of what I like about movies. It's not... I watch movies... I, like I'm fine saying this I watch movies because i'm I know that you know a couple days later I'll get to tell Nia about it during the podcast, you know, so um without that incentive there for a few weeks, I just kind of slowed down and I can start to feel it already. I'm like, you know what I gotta watch watch at least one movie this week just to like you know have something to talk about on stairwells and you know. If I can get myself to watch one movie next week, then the week after I'll watch two, and then, you know, sooner or later I'll be back at four. It is a little bit of a bummer because like, um I got especially last year, um, I get so focused on the numbers with the Letterboxd stat page and whatnot. Um, I get so fixed on the numbers and wanting to see more and more and more movies just to make the number go up on Letterboxd. Um, so it's been of a bit of a bummer to like Start twenty twenty three so slow on watching movies, whereas twenty twenty two was much more watching movies. Yeah. Um. I'm back. I was just I was just saying, I'm in a lull with watching movies, and the the I'm mostly chill about it. The one thing that's got me like a little like normal brained capital N capital B normal brained, um, is that like. In 2022, I was constantly checking the Letterboxd stat page, you know? Like, can I get my numbers up? Can I get my numbers higher, higher, higher? I was so yeah. fixed on the numbers. And, like, starting 2023, like, these, these first three months, hardly watching any movies, that now it's like, oh, well, I have such an uphill battle to climb. Like, I'm, uh, you know, if I, I'm not going to hit the numbers I hit last year, or if I do, I, I will have to like go on a crazy terror, of like watching like eight movies a week for a little while, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so it, it's like weirdly sucked the wind out of my sails in a way that it shouldn't, I shouldn't care about the number as much as I do, but I do. So, yeah. but it, other than, other than that little thing, I feel
2: pretty chill about, I'll start watching more
1: movies again sooner or later.
2: Yeah. Really? I'm kind of there. Um, one of the things is it's harder for me to watch like after work now just cuz I have more podcasts. Yeah, it it's been it's been busy. Um and also like the other thing in all this mix is one of the other things I'm doing with my free time is prepping is doing homework for abnormal mapping. Mm-hmm. Playing through Chronocross. So mm-hmm. Um yeah.
1: Well, also you don't have um <clears throat> Todd- Toddler has gone from we can sometimes put on a movie or we you know we can watch you know Bluey or whatever. At least when I've been here, maybe this isn't true because I don't have like the full picture. But at least when I've been here, all that kid wants to do is play video games.
2: Yeah, that is literally the especially only, Smash Brothers. That's yeah, the it, thing. literally the only thing they want to do. Yeah, um, I I have been because partially through video games. They talk about Sonic sometimes. They like Sonic Sonics and Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. They have some Sonic clothing. This mm-hmm. is also true of Mario. I'm like, I'm sure when the Mario movie comes out, we'll probably end up watching it when it's like for home video stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was like, there are Sonic movies. Do you want to watch the Sonic movies? And in the abstract, my kid is like, yeah, we should watch the Sonic movie. Um and it's like, okay, well, you know it's going to be like a little bit so we can't just like put it on after daycare mm-hmm. uh like we'll we'll do it this weekend and then it's like do you want to watch the sonic movie no i want to play smash brothers and it's like okay yeah okay yeah. so what i mean the, yeah the main fun thing is that sometimes they like um sitting and watching chrono cross with me mm-hmm. so um that's always nice but yeah um, yeah, that has also affected things, and also it's just this thing of uh, you know, uh, extremely love my kid, love having a kid. Mm. Um, I look at other people who talk about the stuff they're doing on their weekend, mm. like even M is like, Oh, I'm recording three podcasts today, and I'm like, I could only record one because <laughs> I'm just watching a kid, yeah, you know, I could maybe squeeze one in during nap time if nap time happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, like I, I know friends who would just like spend all weekend g- like gaming. Mm. They'll just like play like 20 hours of a video game. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, toddler can. Toddler can. <laughs> I mean, I can spend 20 hours playing the video game with the toddler. Yeah. <laughs> um. But it's usually not going to be making progress in the game that I want to make progress in. Mm. So... Um. But yeah, it's just its own thing. There, there's a thing that like having a kid makes you very efficient with your free time. Mm-hmm. Like before I had a kid, I had so many evenings where I just kind of sat on the sofa checking Twitter, mm-hmm. thinking like, "What do I want to do tonight?" And then before I knew it, it was just time to go to bed. Right. And I just fucking didn't do anything with my uh-huh. evening. That does not happen anymore. <laughs> I get to my evening and there's, you know... There's the six I, things you've been wanting to do all yeah, day. When, I, when I'm, when i like, wasting time, it's I'm building a gunpla. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything productive. I'm just doing something for me tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, Because every... all the other thing about having a podcast is, like, every movie I watch is, is kind of work for the podcast. I... I-
1: I feel that way. And while you were in the bathroom, I tried to put a positive spin on it a little bit of like the thing that gets me excited about watching movies on some level is I get to watch this movie and talk about it on the show. There's so there's days where I like get in my head a little bit and I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie. I'm going to have to talk about it on the podcast. The only or or I should watch a movie. I I will be able to talk about a movie on the podcast. If I don't talk about a movie on the podcast, I'm a failure, and everyone will hate the podcast and unsubscribe immediately. And that's not true. The the I, but I th- I think the the positive spin on it is one of the exciting things about watching the movie is getting to do this show. You know.
3: Yeah.
2: That's one of the things that uh, while I'm having fun watching TV, sometimes I'm like ah, oh. like some of these are just I'm. Um, Following my friend's podcast where they're watching the show, I'm not, mm-hmm. what, I'm not gonna have that much to say about Columbo. Yeah, They're doing I, Columbo.
1: It's 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 similar with me in comic books where I'm gonna go on coffee and comic books, and we're gonna talk about like stuff we've been reading that week, but we don't do the full like breakdown um, of like of like, I'm really going to get into the weeds on the TMNT issues I've been reading. I've read so much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles recently. Yeah. Dude, I have read so fucking much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm going to go on Coffee and Comic Books next time and be like, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of the better action comic books of the 2010s. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say is that if you like Shonen Manga, you should really check out the IDW TMNT series. I think they're doing a really good job.
2: That's all. <laughs> yeah. um, we do just also <coughs> do this thing where we talk at length about every movie we watch. Yeah. Like, not even, like, repertory screening mm-hmm. does that. They're not doing that yeah. over there. Um, but
1: do you, there is part of me that's like, who do I rope into reading TMNT with me? And the answer is no one. The answer yeah. is I'm not going to podcast about watching. Oh, I forgot to put something on the spreadsheet because I didn't log it on Letterboxd. What? TMNT Out of the Shadows, the 2016 film um, uh, that apparently I had watched before and forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Changing my keyboard and changed your keyboard from Icelandic to English. I'm sorry. Let me get you a a director. So 2016? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's not TMNT Out of the Shadows. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. You can leave it as TMNT if you like. Uh, Directed by Dave Green. Um, So, yeah, I had seen this before, it turned out. Um, I forgot that I had seen it before because it was in a past life when I was a guy. Hitting on a girl Whatever uh, no-y, no-y Okay Um uh, Just like the color Yeah Um And and I remember watching this movie before And thinking This is stupid I was actually like, Kind of into this movie This time It's not like a great movie But I'm as, I was I was kind of into it Um It's a weird movie Cause it like Oscillates So much between The turtles Right are fully animated. And so when the turtles are on screen, there's a like looseness and a freedom to these. This is a 3D animated movie for like 13 year olds. And so the camera is swinging around wildly. Uh, the characters are very expressive. Um, it is just a like 3D animated movie. Normal. And then, like, mixed in with that are shots of, like, humans, like Megan Fox and Tyler Perry are there just playing normal humans. And the movie looks wildly incompetent. <laughs> it looks like the director has never heard of the concept of a camera before. <laughs>
2: like the, so the it c- like a video game. Sorry. Yeah. Is my, my dig at cinematography <laughs> and video games. Yeah. No,
1: no, it does. It looks like, it looks like video game cinematography because it's like, I don't know why any of these, like the lighting is just totally irrational. Why would you light a scene this way? Why is there like a key light over here and a fill light there? And why are they contrasting colors? And not in like a good way, just a like, oh, we had to get our orange and teal in or whatever. <laughs> um, it just looks, it, it looks incompetent. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. And it'll literally like, it'll intercut that with the animated sequences that are just so much fun. They're just delightful. Um, yeah. and <laughs> it's just a bizarre movie. And the best, the, 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 I think the cast does a pretty good job. Um, the, the, the turtles are totally fine. I, not really remarkable, but I, uh, I think Tyler Perry as Baxter Stockman is a good choice. I think, um, uh, the guy who plays Shredder does a really good job. Just no selling everything. Um, um, uh, Megan Fox, I think, is actually good in this movie, um, which is not a thing I say often. Will Arnett. Will Will Arnett is in the scene for is in the movie for like two scenes, and he's terrible. Yeah. Um, Stephen Amell, the guy who plays Arrow, is a lot of fun in this movie. As Casey Jones, just playing Arrow, just the same character. Um, um, but the funniest part is that the the periodically the the turtles will be in a shot with Megan Fox and all of a sudden first of all, it's weird that all the turtles are trying to fuck Megan Fox. It would be one thing if there was a like Megan Fox Raphael romance subplot. That would yeah. be one thing. It's weird that all four of them are trying to fuck her.
2: <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, but also it just <laughs> well 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 if it isn't <laughs> <laughs> low job brother, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it it's it looks bizarre because they're in two different movies like straight yeah. up like like the the like the turtles in the shot with like n- the normal human characters. It's like two different movies are just copy-pasted on top of each other, and it's
2: like, what is happening? It's like Uncanny Valley, Roger Rabbit. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. But it's, it's like, I guess this is also true of Roger Rabbit, where the animation is, like, way better than the the humans, but, like, the humans still look good in Roger Rabbit. Yeah, they still you know, know how to
2: shoot a movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Roger Rabbit the only good Robert Zemeckis movie? Mm. I meant to bring you. I got. I got a, um, another calendar from the music box, and I meant to bring that to you to show it to you. I don't think we're gonna go to anything anytime soon. There is some stuff that's tempting. Tokyo Drifter is definitely like.
2: Yeah, did that already happen, or I feel like it happened? I feel like it might was have one hap- day or something. Might
1: have already happened. I'm sad some... about that one. How do you
3: spell his name?
1: There, there will be another chance to see. Uh, I think it's Z uh, E M E C K I S. There we go. Yeah. Forest Gump, terrible. Ooh. Back to the Future, terrible.
2: Mm, I'm Back to the Future is
1: fine. It's fine. Polar Express, terrible. Uh, Roger Rabbit, good.
2: Have you just skipped over Castaway.
1: I haven't seen it. That's fine,
2: Roger Rabbit's Roger Rabbit is good.
1: I haven't seen Contact, uh, Christmas Carol, no, okay. bad. Uh, that flight movie looks good.
2: I haven't seen Contact in a like extremely long time. Um, he did Romancing the Stone. I guess.
1: Beowulf. Oh right, so I brought this up because so so um, Music Box is showing like. I don't know if it's all of Zemeckis' movies, but it's a lot of them, and Nora is hell-bent on,
2: yeah, we gotta go see Beowulf in theaters, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> of, That's such of, a Nora movie to wanna go see in theaters, though. It, of, makes perfect, it makes perfect sense to me that Nora would want to. Of all the movies to risk COVID for, she wants to go see Beowulf? This makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's terrible! I mean, I really thought about risking COVID to to go see Tokyo Drifter. At least Tokyo Drifter is good. <laughs> yeah, one of the best movies ever made. No. Will that help you taking the uh, the doing the bracket? Uh, who knows? Who knows? We say a lot of movies are the best movie ever made, but I That's mean, the thing.
1: I mean it when I say Tokyo Drifter. I really mean it when I yeah. say Tokyo Drifter is the best movie ever made. Uh, Beowulf I love her
2: so much She is I love that bitch so much Can I tell you something that When you were tweeting about this uh huh, I realized for the very first time you, you all had talked about Like the CG in Beowulf And I was like it's been a while since I watched Beowulf I don't I think it was CG But I, got, I guess there was like CG For Grendel maybe I feel like the whole thing was that like Grendel was just a person Realized I was thinking about the movie Beowulf and Grendel. A very different movie. What is the movie Beowulf and Grendel? I don't know this movie. Um, Yeah, let
1: me... And is it connected to the Matt Wagner comics? Matt Um, Wagner? Matt Wagner? I don't know.
2: I would assume Wagner. Um,
1: I would assume that his grandpa was like Wagner and that he probably goes by Wagner. That would be my assumption.
2: So Beowulf and Grendel is a movie that I know. Because it was directed by Sterla Gunnarsson, oh. who's an Icelander, has a soundtrack by Hilmarsson. I think he did the soundtrack for Angels of the Universe, if I'm not mistaken. A okay. uh, big soundtrack guy in, in Iceland. Um, stars a number. There's some uh, people in it who are Icelandic. There's some like Canadian cast. Stellan Skarsgård's in there, who's neither. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Um, this is what I think of when people talk about the like kind of mid beowulf movie from the 2000s like the mid 2000s <laughs> and so for a really long time when you whenever you all will talk about beowulf 2007 in my head i i've just been picturing beowulf and grand Ole 2005
1: <laughs> you are not picturing angelina jolie's titties
2: oh what
3: <laughs> it,
1: angelina jolie's titties are in uh Beowulf, two thousand seven. I don't know. That, that's the beginning and end of the sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. I. I was. I was. I. We were talking about Brad Pitt earlier, and I was saying things that maybe could be construed as positive about Brad Pitt. I mostly like Brad Pitt as an actor. I would be remiss not to mention, um, that, um, Brad Pitt, uh, like, allegedly, Angelina Jolie told Brad Pitt about Harvey Weinstein's behavior, and Brad Pitt didn't give a shit, seemingly. Uh, yeah. Brad Pitt does not seem like a great dude who's making great moral choices, uh,
2: allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, from, what I kn- from what I know of Brad Pitt, he sort of filed in the, the space in my brain of... Uh, basically anyone with a certain amount of like, fame and fortune, fame and fortune, especially in like Hollywood, especially a white man, mm. I just assume is not like a good person. Yeah, until I have like pretty good mounting evidence around. Yeah. yeah, and also like the white man is like a a additional qualifier in here, but that doesn't mean that I like assume people who aren't white or aren't men yeah. are good. Yeah, I like. There was a moment where I was, like, looking up stuff for for Don Cheadle and remembered, like, all the charity work that he does, and they wore, like, the Protect Trans Kids shirt on that Uh snow, and and I was like, oh, maybe he actually is a real one. Yeah. (laughs) Because in my head, he was just kind of filed in the probably not that great. Yeah, I just
1: default (laughs) assumed that any, like, any Hollywood person, at best, is
2: morally neutral.
3: At best.
2: (laughs) Um, I'm also not saying Don Cheadle's, like fucking incredible when I was looking at me like ah, I think I think I feel better about Don Cheadle than I did before looking at the Wikipedia page which is usually not the experience you have looking at a Hollywood actor
1: yeah this is the experience of uh, you and me being like we should look up if, if Mr. Bean's a turf because for all I know like everybody on that fucking <laughs> island yeah I can't just anybody from that island
2: <laughs> uh, even Jackson's
1: will...
3: <laughs> Jackson's
1: <laughs> turf arc is going to be a really weird one <laughs> Uh, Alexis,
2: <laughs> Alexis's turf park is gonna be really weird. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all are a little bit more sus, just by default. It's it,
1: you know. It, it, here in the states, they put fluoride in our water. Over there,
2: they put turf in the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, this poster is just unsettling to me. So I'm gonna close this this page. Oh, this
1: like. Little plastic figure of Steve uh, Steve, Carell. Steve Carell. I wanted to say Irwin for some yeah. reason. Oh, it's because the movie's called me- Welcome to Marwin. My- yeah.
2: Should we talk about Soleo? Yeah, we should. Wait, stairs for Teenage Mut- Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, okay. out of the shadows. I assume an F. I don't know. F. <laughs> Question mark. Oh. Now you fucked me up. <laughs> anyway, um, Soleo. Best movie ever made no, no, but it's really good, yeah, it is really good. um, a thing that we were talking about while watching it is uh this movie is uh I think like genuinely revolutionary Mm-hmm. um, but also talking about things that I think have just like some of the stuff that it is dealing with and talking about have become more common knowledge, I think within like leftist spaces, yeah, okay, so in a in a way where i was watching it with a fair amount of there's a lot of stuff that's interesting actually seeing it there's some uh especially when it gets like bizarre and abstract mm-hmm. those are some of my favorite moments we should pull, we should pull out
1: work yeah. real quick so cuz i i have thoughts my my big broad thought that i'll say before i tell people what this movie is is that i'm glad that i had 2 days to sit with it because um even in just those 2 days i started to appreciate it where While I was watching it, I was like, okay, sure. Anyway, Soleil, released in 1970, directed by Matt Hondo. Um, Recorded over
2: the course of, I think, like four or five years. Yeah. um, Or like, you know, filmed. Um, This is... Very low budget, but in a way where I think it's playing well to the, the strengths of that. Yeah, this is a movie about...
1: And okay, so it sort of moves between, like, sort of like realism of just like, here is what it is like to be a um <clears throat> immigrant from Africa to France. Yeah, of just like, um.
2: There's this social realist mode yeah 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 you, wanna... you watch and has like a certain kinship with something like bicycle thieves yes,
1: absolutely and then sometimes will dip its toes into total abstraction expressionist you know out there weird stuff yeah um so so there's there's a story but it's kind of just it also kind of not there's just the main guy uh who's doesn't have a name. Yeah, really. I don't think so. I don't think anybody has names. There's just the main guy and you're just seeing his life basically. Um and um we open on this really abstract sequence of the there's, the, there's the, sort
2: of, like there's the title card that's like this kind of intense animation. Mm-hmm. Um that feels very like 60s 70s in its yeah, style. Absolutely. Um and then yeah, you get this like very symbolic uh abstract sequence of the the main
1: cast there's going to be like seven-ish guys who are like the main immigrants that we're spending our time with those seven guys are also sort of an abstraction of the like large popular population of african immigrants in france at the time yeah um and so we see all of those men um being uh in a church and they apologize for speaking their native tongues in French, um, and the the um, priest baptizes them and gives them new, nice French names. you yeah. know? So I guess I guess the main guy does have a name, but it's just not coming to me now. Yeah. Um, they,
2: despite being given these names, they don't like really. I feel like use them throughout the movie. Then.
1: Yeah, and then um, there's a there's a sequence of all the men uh, are carrying crosses and then those crosses like get flipped sort upside of a, down yeah, there's
2: sort of a transformation where their outfits become a little bit more militaristic and then they turn the crosses around into swords yeah um and then they start to fight each other and
1: until they all, one man
2: s- remains
1: yeah they're all like play fighting but they like lay down as if they're actually dead um and there's two remaining and basically the one guy there's a there's a white police officer military officer presiding over the whole thing and he like um, gives some money to the last man standing and then the last then
2: immediately kills over and then he just takes the money
1: back yeah <clears throat> from here we sort of move into just much more grounded just like here are scenes of you know looking for a job and getting turned away because of your race Um, or going to like th- there's a really fascinating uh s- sequence of um The main guy is talking to this professor who's like wants to have like African immigrants like tested for their like aptitude to do jobs in France and basically like, you know oh, well, we need all of you to prove that you're just as capable of thinking and reasoning as us. Because
2: some of you are, and some of you aren't. And capable of being taught how to do things the way that we do things here. Yes. Basically. Yes. Um, And it's, in in a way that I think is more plain, maybe, from a modern perspective than when it was first being made. But it is still kind of this, like, liberal perspective of, like... Yes, we want uh immigrants, but we also need to solve the problem of immigration and what to do with, like, immigrants who don't become productive members of society who are, you know, uh part of the thing he's even talking about is, like, you know, there are jobs that, like, French people, like, you know, quote-unquote mm-hmm. native French people don't want to do and would be happy to have, mm-hmm. like, African... Immigrants doing that work mm-hmm. uh, and also is getting pushback from the main character of like, you know, do the work as long as we're not seen mm-hmm. and things like that. Um,
1: it, and, and it's it it
2: feels. But it's like it's, it's also about to, like solving the, the quote unquote problem of an influx of immigration and, and how to like deal with that fairly. So so quote unquote, I think from here is like a good way to like get into like
1: my my thoughts about the movie generally is that when we were watching it, I was like, well, this is racist. This is a racist thing that's happening. Like this, this is like literally like, not just like, not just like racism is not just, um, calling people a slur. Yeah, racism is or not
2: turning sh- people away from the job when they go to apply.
1: Racism is a, is a logic by which the whole, like, world operates in some way. Racism yeah. is a like <clears throat> a system for othering people um, and it is a way of thinking, you know that gets that gets so much like deeper than the sort of outward displays of racism that would be turning away from somebody from a job or what have you. Um, and this really gets to the heart of that. And so it was it's interesting because when we when we watched the movie, I was like, oh, that's racist. And then I I sat with the movie and was able to think about, you know, it's interesting to think about how this movie would have been received by a French audience in 1970. Yeah. Where if, you know, I'm an if I'm an African immigrant, um, I'm seeing like my own life on the screen. And probably like, probably like a lot of people did not get to have that conversation with a French professor. Probably there is this, or, or, or I should say, this white professor. There's probably like a lot of people who are like, I would love to talk to the racist ass bitch who like came up with this test I have to do. Yeah, but that is not like a thing that they that they had any access to, <laughs> you know. Um, there, you know, this is like a a. This is about portraying people's whose lives are probably not portrayed on the screen at all. Not yeah. probably, like, period, flat out. These people's lives are not portrayed on the screen in France in 1970. Um, And I, I would also be curious about, I'm sure there are a lot of, like, French white people who thought the same way as this guy thought. And we're just like, you know... See this scene as a oh what an interesting marketplace of ideas sort of thing yeah you know to to put it in a uh, present parlance of like what stimulating debate about should we be testing these people you know um, yeah I uh, <clears throat> watching this movie now it because it is so observational in its nature and and the observations are just. It's easy to say the observations are just racism exists and is bad. I think there's a lot more to the movie than that. And I also think that it, when you think about it in its time and place, observing racism is real and bad and here are the, like, you know, inputs and outputs of racism.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's massive, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting because... There's the, the scene at the bar, too, mm-hmm. where they start singing, like, all as a group, mm-hmm. these, like, uh, essentially racist songs about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, black people in France. And sending
1: whatever. them back, I think. Yeah.
2: Like, oh, we got to mm-hmm. send all the all the immigrants back. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a very interesting scene, too, because there is the one... Uh, white guy at the bar who is the white guy who who says the n-word when he goes to concerts and raps along yes vibe he's
1: he's very much like um he's very much like the guy who's like I listen to a lot of rap music and so I know what being black is like
2: you know yeah. <laughs> Um, and it like hangs out around this bar and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I have a lot of black friends, so I know what it's like. Yeah, but also the, that that scene is not just fully about that guy. In mm. fact, he's kind of just in the background.
1: Yeah, he he's at the very beginning of the scene and the very ending of the scene, but for the most part, it's just like right. all the, all the boys are
2: uh, hanging out and just broing down. <laughs> yeah, and some of it is the vibe of obviously in like a different way and with mm. different things, but like. We and our other like queer friends will make all kinds of jokes that uh if straight people made it would just be homophobic and phobic yeah. and like you don't get to you don't get to do those jokes. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: like like if straight people don't get to say faggot.
2: I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> <laughs> I can say it as much as I want. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, so some of it is also that vibe of like there are ways that some of this stuff can, uh, at least in, like, moments become defanged or that, like, when you are together with uh, other people who, like, understand and are with you in that, like, your people, mm-hmm. that you can, like, joke about it or mm-hmm. have fun with it. Uh, but then there's also this, like, you know, that's the song that they're able to joke about. Mm-hmm. It's not the, like, let's find the solution to the quote-unquote African invasion or
3: whatever. hmm Um, It's
1: interesting. There's also that scene. There's also the scene of all of them are like having a meeting and it's like sort of starts as like, hey, so the building we're in wants us all out because we're black. Um, Like we got to find a new place to live, et cetera, et cetera. It sort of gets into like sort of expands out into broader conversations from there of like, should we stay in France? Should we, you know, try to go back to where we came from? Blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting...
2: And, and like, disagreements within the group about what to even do.
1: Yeah, there's not... Like, you don't leave that scene thinking, and this is what they should do. You did not even leave that scene thinking, and this is what they all agreed to do. Like, it is just, hey, the situation we're in sucks and we're just talking about it. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um... And yeah, the the moment like the end gets abstract again too, and it's fucking incredible. Yeah, the the um, ending,
1: the ending very much. I I wonder if Sweet Sweetbacks is like a deliberate reference to this, honestly.
2: Yeah, because there's a lot of him just like running.
1: Yeah, basically, I I don't forget I forget what the instigate instigating thing of this is, but um, he just gets so fed up that he just starts running.
2: Yeah, it seems like there's um, in some ways it almost just seems like there's this breaking point where he's just like, uh, he
3: has se- he has sex he, with
2: that white lady and she says something racist
1: about like, oh, I thought your dick was gonna be bigger or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah,
3: um, it's a
2: little bit more elided than that, but it's clearly yeah. like around yes. that kind of stereotype. Yes, um, um,
1: <clears throat> but like. I don't remember if that's the specific thing that just, like, sends him over the edge.
2: Yeah. But regardless, he it starts... It feels like it's almost frame to where it's not, like... You almost move into this other space where uh, it's not even fully about anything anymore. It's just, like, you reach that point where you're just, like, screaming and running because you don't know what else to do.
1: Yeah, and so he, like, hits this breaking point and he just screams and runs and he, like, ends up in the countryside with, like... Your very um, frantic like
2: soundtrack as he's running around
1: yeah and it's just it's um you know in in sweet sweetbacks it's the the come on feet it's the um wade in the water um it's like a very like musical thing um and in this it's just like it's sort of his heartbeat and his breathing getting louder and yeah. louder and more chaotic. And like,
2: sort of like a certain drum beat that's happening, but that's there's like, 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 very, like a very chaotic drum beat. There's
1: like, yeah, there's a drum beat and there's like a wind instrument that's just sort of like...
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, just like all over the place. Um, yeah, and then he comes across a, a white family. With the most annoying children in the universe. Completely unruly. And the parents' decision... Uh, for how to deal with this is just to further encourage it. Uh-huh. It's like, here's more food to throw all over the table and step on you, while you're walking around on the table. This is it cl- because truly,
1: I come to work and like, I'm in, I'm, you know, taking an order in the drive through, and I I I hear like parent or can I get a grande caramel macchiato, blah, 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 blah. And then I just hear in the background mom, I want cake pop. And then the mom will get the cake pop. And I'm just like, man, don't, don't encourage this. Don't, <laughs> I, I, I also like, I get it. I'm like, sometimes like one, you told them you were going to get them to the cake pop earlier or two, like, I, I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to give you the cake pop. But there are times I'm just like, do not give the screaming child the cake pop because the ki- child is just going to come in and scream at me next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, he just gets like so tired of these children just like walking on the table and throwing food. And I want a cake pop! I want a cake pop! I want a cake pop! Yeah. And he just goes back to screaming and running. Um, and then there's just like there, there there's a couple different pictures. That show up, but the the one the one I could identify was Malcolm. Um,
2: Yeah, I think Che may have been in there. Yeah, yeah,
1: Che is definitely in there. But there's like these these etchings on 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 wood of like Malcolm and Che and a couple other like figures like that um, who were like massively like revolutionary in the sixties and killed for it, Um, and they're they're sort of effigies. Um, are burning and he's just like sitting in the, uh, sitting in like the woods in the French countryside, just like losing his mind as these like, you know, uh, uh, effigies are burning and the movie ends. It's the movie says to be continued.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Which is dark.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I haven't watched any of his other films. Um, I don't know if we're going to do all of them on the podcast, but I want to try and hunt down as many of his movies as I can and watch yeah. them. Because um, this is one that I remember really enjoying. Uh, my vague memory of it was definitely the the more like experimental or abstract parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there was like a mix of stuff that was happening. Is it, it was interesting
1: um, listening to um, his. So, uh, the Criterion Channel had... Hello, Lem. The Criterion Channel had a um, conversation with him from 2018. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, uh, talking about this movie. Uh, it's in- it was interesting to hear how much of this movie is just, like... Him learning to make movies. Like, the the this movie took four years to make. Because, basically, when he had money... He would rent a camera and they would do a couple scenes and then he ran out of money and so he would just stop making it. And he was acting. He he said he said it was interesting. He cares about theater much, much, much more than film. It sounded like he was he was interested in film because of its permanence. But I think it sounded like he was much more interested in theater because of its impermanence, because of you know, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, and then all of a sudden you perform it one night and then it's gone, Yeah, you know? Um, But yeah, hearing him sort of learning to make movies and sort of, uh, because he has this interest in like, how is film different from theater? It is permanent. And so, so much of the observational mode of this movie, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. If he's, you know what do I want to make permanent? It's just like, here's what it is like to live my life, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't remember. Okay. I, I, I couldn't remember if he was, um, uh, yeah, he was, he was born in, um, uh, Maritania and, um, went to France actually to learn to be a a chef, uh, and then somehow ended up living the art life, you know. I yeah. a little bit of this is in that twenty minute conversation with him, but he didn't get too much into it, you know. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really, I really, um, uh, I really liked Soleil. There's not a ton to say about it because it is so, you know, observational. Like I said, um, yeah, that like
2: it's a thing that I highly like when- highly recommend people check out even if sometimes you're watching it and it's like class voice I already knew that already yeah i i think i think it's there's still, there's still like uh value and um you know interesting purpose in like seeing these things documented and recorded
1: mm mm-hmm. there's there's a particularity to like like being an immigrant to France in 1970 is just a different experience from, you know, like, like most movies that we see about black life are directed by black Americans, you know, in yeah. the, you know, uh and so it's just a different thing. Like this is, it, it was interesting. I, I was wondering earlier if Sweet Sweetback's running scene was a reference to this. Sweet Sweetback came out in 71. I remember it being 75 for some reason. So yeah. I, I think it's probably too close. It it sounds like it's probably just parallel ideation. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, like, even if you just want to compare those two scenes, like, it's just a very different, like, very, very similar scenes of the running to get away played in such different ways because yeah. the particularities of, like, the context in which they're made are just different, you know? Yeah, and
2: both of them have, like, these abstract imagery, but also, like, Sweet Sweetbacks is, like, far more... Um... Directly like running from the police, trying to get someplace, Mm -hmm. um, to like escape. And what happens in Soleil is so much more like just aimless, like, I just don't know what to do anymore, other than scream and run.
1: The horror, the horror, uh, partly in the running in Soleil is that no matter where he runs, he's still in France, yeah. (laughs) That like you get the sense that at some point he's like, How do I? If he could run like back to where he was born, like that also wouldn't solve the problem, but at least then he wouldn't be in France.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's just a little Maybe bit. Maybe he of... can like run to Germany, but that's not fixing it either. Yeah. yeah. You know?
1: Um so
2: yeah. Uh stairs.
1: I feel like we landed on like a C Yeah, for these? the main
2: stairwell scene, he doesn't go up the stairs.
1: Yeah, there's a couple good-looking stairs. There's one really good-looking set of stairs that he doesn't interact with at all. Yeah. There's one that he, like, almost walks up and then decides not that to. that one
2: feels purposeful about not being able to go up the stairs and being stopped and given a broom.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: And then there's, there's
1: another one where, um... Like, he comes down the stairs. No, there's, like, this random... White guy who comes down the stairs, and then like all the main characters walk up the stairs, and he's like, "Oh, I had to walk on the same stairs as
2: black people," <laughs> yeah.
1: and he like dusts himself off after it happens.
2: Uh, I I think uh, he's the same guy who's the the guard or like you know general or whatever in the abstract part at the beginning.
1: The, that's another thing. I, so something that's for me put this in the in the realm of abstraction is how many. You'll get the same actor playing different characters in this yeah. movie, um, and for me, it's like, oh, you know, these people represent ideas or or like feelings more than like people. And for Hondo, uh, he's like, well, these were the seven people I knew. Yeah. <laughs> these were these were the ten people I could get to be in the movie. Yeah, because I w- I just knew them. <laughs> And they were willing to do it. <laughs> yeah, and so like like the same white guy shows up in like eight different roles, and like and Hondo is just like, yeah, I just had him cut his mustache different, and we put a different hat on him, and hoped that no one would notice. And like <laughs> I I mostly got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> um... The one that really jumped out to me was um, the annoying rural family. Uh, had also been the arguing couple early in the movie. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. is there an interesting thing here about like white families fleeing from the urban to the su- to the rural to-, to get away from the black migrant population? I don't think that's happened. I think he just had the same white people in that
2: same set <laughs> because yeah. he was
1: like, eh, no one's going to notice. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, anyway, I feel like even though he doesn't go up the stairs mm-hmm. in the main scene, Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give it a little bit of extra credit because I think it is like purposefully yeah. playing with the not being able to go up the stairs. Yeah, or that that not being the conclusion. Maybe like a B minus. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a B minus. Um, I I was going into that being like, uh, I will accept no lower than a C plus. Basically, <laughs> you know, if if you do something lower, I'm gonna be like, no, it's got to be at least a C plus. So <laughs> yeah, B minus I can do. You do, you talked me into it yeah
1: Well we will be back next week with uh, Black Orpheus. Um, Joe will be very pleased.
3: Unless, uh...
1: unless I feel like I feel like trying to do Black Orpheus, I feel like I, I'm so worried this is gonna become a 2046 where like something happens next week and we have to not record and then something happens the week after. I'm like because like Black Orpheus has just been like something that we've been meaning to cover for well over a year now. And I'm like, yeah. now that we actually put it on the schedule, I'm just like, oh my God, something's going to happen. It's going to, it's not yeah. going to
3: work out.
2: Um, also, we haven't started out schedule beyond Black Orpheus, um, but a few things that we've talked about just to put this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, probably bringing in like the start of doing some documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably, I'll probably grab a documentary. I feel like Soleil is something that's kind of adjacent playing with to... the documentary form yeah, to some extent. Mm-hmm. even as it is like fictional. It's a um,
1: fiction film that has like the texture of a documentary.
2: Yeah. Um and that is doing a sort of documentary projects to some extent. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'll probably do that. Uh you've talked about you want to get a Japanese horror movie in here somehow? Yeah, I've just so had I just I just had an itch for it. I just haven't watched
1: a I just then, haven't watched a Japanese horror movie in like a month. And I'm like, The other one,
2: we, we haven't made plans, but I manifested it the same way that I manifested around the longfire, i.e. I tweeted on Locked and then uh, M and then also in this case, Jackson, were are like, yeah, of course. Um, at some point, we're going to do AR AI artificial intelligence and they're going to guest on it. I assume, but we'll have to I assume
1: that will require enough planning that it won't be until April, possibly May. Yeah, I am guessing. I'm going to say late April. Is what I'm going to say. Yeah, that but gives...
2: we we've done no figuring out the plan yet. Yeah, but I am committing to on this podcast that at some point we're going to do AI, and Emma Jackson will both be on for it. And I think uh, all of us except you have seen it before. Yeah. So, uh, well, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me. It is eleven thirty. Um, that... I have to work at 630. Jesus oh, fuck. Christ. Uh, you can find me at Fox Bob, Neon Twitter and coast, uh, go see my pinned tweet, pinned choast. I have links to all of, uh, my podcasts on there. Um, talked about pondering Putan. People should check that out. Talked about, uh, around the long fire briefly just now. People should also check out that podcast. Um, we're reading through Icelandic sagas, um, and also just at least 50% by volume that, that, uh, podcast is us talking about other bullshit. Um, and we managed to even get in a half hour when we're just doing podcast homework. So, and then, uh, the other one, my, my big final thing is, uh, if you like iron blooded orphans, go check out ghost divers. I then we're doing really good work. um, the first episode there was like a lot of we had to just like tie this into broader Gundam themes. Our second discussion episode um was really good. Third discussion episode, the episodes that the show gave us weren't quite as good. But we still did all right. And then we just recorded the the end of season one and that episode was a banger, so
1: if I remembered I had work at six thirty in the
2: morning you would not have done a oh, hour long non
1: We would not have done the podcast that we did find me on Twitter at a tunnel underscore coffee you can find me on a course, at a tunnel you can go to exportod.io to support us on Patreon that's all you get this time We're not doing full spiel please give us five dollars a month we got a lot of good stuff to at, at that page here so yeah
2: listen to Ghost Divers sorry Okakoro is can... real um wait when are we going to do something about Nanahachi uh, Nanahachi is real Nanahachi is real
1: yeah I just th- we're not. We're not invested in OPEC oil, like we
3: Well, the ghost is dead
1: Back to our Nate Stairwells, a movie podcast where we talk about movies. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Mia.
2: I thought we were gonna like do the whole like bullshit before we record. We, we kind of were before we hit record, but
1: yeah, we were kind of. I felt like we burned all the non-homophobia zone on just shit talking people that we shouldn't do into Mike. Um, I wasn't gonna say that guess, part, but I, I guess, guess we can. I mean, it's it's fine. Listeners people can don't know, know what people. Yeah, they don't know what people. Listeners are allowed to know that sometimes. We talk about people, and we say mean things. They're allowed to know that. I'm never mean. If you're listening to this podcast, genuinely, I promise you, it wasn't you. It's yeah. like-
2: the... Except for M. We were shit-talking M.
1: Yeah, we were definitely shit-talking M and Shuo. <laughs> um, uh I'm going to do the thing real quick where the text wraps around. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, where is it? Is it under more? Yeah, there it is.
3: Yeah. I don't
1: know why it does this. We'll highlight the whole sheet and we'll do that. And then we'll go down like five more rows and it'll we'll just stop doing it. Oh, can you also. Um,
2: A very uh, clean start to all this. Um, yeah. We got to yeah. select all for the.
1: Yeah. I thought it all, all was still selected, but it was not.
2: Um, anyway. I, I don't
1: really have much for the no homophobia zone. But also, we kind of. Listen. I watched two movies that I did other podcasts about. You watched one movie that we did a puton about. It's not going to be a lot. So, like, maybe I owe the listeners a little non-homophobia
2: zone. I just don't have much, you know? Yeah. How was your week? What happens? Um, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Work is, I'm, like, out of all the, the monstrosity that I was in. Um, now it's my manager having to review all of that and also seeming dragged down by it. But um, he has, like, other stuff going on, so he's not just doing it constantly, Mm -hmm. which was part of the agony, I think. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm, like, currently in this position where there's this meeting coming up where uh, I will then get to do more work on the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, But right now I'm, like, kind of wrapping up the work and I'm in this, like, weird holding pattern Mm -hmm. where there's still stuff that I'm doing. But there's also stuff that I could be doing that I have to wait to do. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that higher ups say, yes, do that work or whatever. It's just kind of weird. It's, um,
1: it's been a weird week for me because it's like it feels like this is my first normal week since COVID, which makes it feel like the like most abnormal week in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where like you and me are recording in person. Finally, like we watched a movie on Friday and recorded on Sunday. I, I attended all the days of work that I was scheduled for. I stayed an hour late, as I always do, for one of, oh, only one of my shifts this week. Thank God. Yeah. I'm really worried that tomorrow I can't. Tomorrow I
2: might ask to leave 30 minutes early. but um, um, One of the other things, I, I was going to have Tuesday where I would be able to work from home. Mm -hmm. this week yeah you were Um, so you were so excited yeah because it's just i i have to wake up two hours early because i have to drive i like work an hour early Uh. than normal um and so i have to like get ready spend an hour driving in and then i start working an hour early because i need to need to be able to get back in time to pick up my toddler from daycare Mm -hmm. um and so i wasn't gonna have to do that so my manager's gonna be uh you know, offsite for some big meeting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, ended up the first time that it's just gonna be like me scheduling a supplier visit and just having a supplier come. So mm-hmm. um, I made a Colombo reference with him and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but I. Um, That's part of what I've been doing. Yeah. Is I'm still just on this TV kick. I, I was like watching it stuff this week. And I had this moment of, like, when when I'm done with, like, The Prisoner
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, G Gundam,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that, like, sink is just going to evaporate.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'll still probably sometimes watch a show, but, like, right now, the thing that's kind of filling that additional slot that will probably still sometimes get, like, anime in or something. Uh-huh. Um, is I've been watching, uh, like, He because they're going to do season two now on Beach House. Which I thought I was going to have more time. I was going to spread out uh, one Endless 8 a week. Mm-hmm. But I think, I'll, I think I'll have to speed it up. It seems like they're getting to that pretty quick. Um, I But I mean, I've been enjoying that stuff. It's weird because of all of the stuff that like... People just love Columbo. Mm-hmm. In a way where this first season I've been kind of down on it. Hmm. Uh, we've talked about this some on around the long fire. People go listen to that, but yeah. there's only been like two episodes that I was like, "Oh, that yeah, was like a really good episode."
1: Yeah, I so I had um, I thought I'd seen like only half of season one, but as I'm listening to the podcast, I've seen more of it than I remember. I'm a lot more up on season one, but all my friends being down on it has sort of like you know, and this is not this is not me throwing shade at any of my friends, but all of my friends being down on Columbo has kind of gotten me down on it, mostly because it's like, well, I'm mostly re-watching stuff if I watch stuff. You know, I've, um, and then, um, like, who's I going to say? Um, yeah, the, like everybody, wh- I have enjoyed season one, I enjoyed season one a lot when I was watching it by myself because I was kind of just putting it on and not really paying attention. All of our friends are much more, you know, especially Molly having to podcast about it. All of our friends are much more active viewers (laughs) than I than I usually am with Colombo, And so I kind of think we're going to hit season two and I want to, like, try to get back in a little more. Um, But I think I'm I think I'm just going to stay checked out until the end of season one, because I think there's only one season one episode I haven't seen. And so.
2: Yeah, so unless you, like, hear that was one of the good ones. But.
1: Yeah, if people tell me, oh, that the last episode of season one is really good, then I will go watch the last episode of season one. But otherwise, it's like,
3: eh. Yeah.
2: I, I like
1: um uh frame the the, the art one. Yeah. The, I like that one, yeah. I think, better than Molly did. But I don't like it enough that I'm going to re-watch it. I'll just listen to the podcast, you know? Yeah.
2: I, I think that's been my favorite so far is the the art one. The, mm. It's something framed, doing yeah. a frame pun. Yeah,
3: if people. Or, are I think I bar. think
1: that's one of the ones. I think Molly and I are in agreement, maybe that that and death lends a hand. The one where you see the murder in his glasses. Um, and oh, it's the, yeah. the guy who owns the security company. Yeah,
2: that one's the the guy for that one's really good. I yeah. think in terms of like uh general writing and, um, like kind of what I just want in general from the show. Hmm. Like so much of death lends a hand just rides on the actor being good. Yeah. Um, whereas when I watched, uh, you know, the whatever frame one, mm-hmm. forgetting the title, but whatever. Yeah. um, that one, I was like, the, the actor is pretty good for this, but also like, I feel like the script is here in a way that, makes it entertaining Mm -hmm. constantly. Like, uh, there are so many ways in which you can see Columbo's reaching that point of like, ha-ha, I think I got you. And then the guy has the counter for it. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of keeps happening. Um, And then it just builds up humorously where the final thing that like does him in is essentially a lack of evidence. Mm. Um, So. I
1: need to get... Because the other thing I was thinking about is like, what if I just went and watched a different murder mystery show just to like, I don't know, enjoy it, you know. Yeah, I really want to watch uh, Murder She Wrote because I really like the like three episodes of Murder She Wrote that I've seen, but it's I've only seen like three episodes. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm in this frustrating position where, so my mom has Peacock. Murder She Wrote is on Peacock. Star Trek is on. No, Star Trek is on Paramount. I think Murder She Wrote is also on Paramount. Maybe. Maybe because my mom has Paramount and we were trying to get she has it through Amazon Prime mm. and we were trying to get the like Amazon family plan set up. But I couldn't do it on my phone when I was out there on August. And I was like, I'll just look at this on my laptop when I get home. And I still couldn't figure it out on my laptop. And then I wanted her to look at something regardless. Who cares? This is too. yeah. The details are unimportant. I could have a Paramount Plus password, but I don't, um, and it's frustrating. I guess I got back to watching DS Nine this week, though, so that was fun. Yeah, um, I need to to start doing that. But you were you I was were texting me. Stuff. You were texting me to, this week. Uh, you're like, mm, you're so far ahead of me in DS Nine, a show
2: that I've seen like two or three
1: times. A show that I've seen two or three times. You got so far ahead of me. <laughs> No, I don't want to watch it at all. I feel like such a failure. I didn't mm. say I don't want to
2: watch it at all. I said I I don't have the time.
1: Yeah, and you were just like, ah, oh, I fucked up. I've I've I failed the podcast. I failed you. I failed. Fa- it-
2: in fairness, I was having a real depressive day in general. That you night. were
1: having a real depressive day in general. Yeah. I just I'm six episodes in. <laughs> I'm five episodes ahead of you.
2: Yeah, but I still gotta rewatch that first one because it's a two parter. It's a three parter. It's a three parter.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. I did not rewatch the first one of that three parter when I, I picked up I picked it up months later. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. They do last time on Deep Space but, Nine, and I remembered everything I needed to remember.
2: Okay. But Uh Richard. What's, yeah. What's his? Yeah.
1: Richard Beamer?
2: Yeah. Ben Horn. Ben Horn. Yeah. Ben Horn. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you something? I want to see that my you... boy Ben Horn. That you already know because you've seen the show two or three times? Yeah. He's going to heroically sacrifice himself at the end of this three-parter and it's fucking sick.
2: <laughs> ben Horn. Ben Horn. How long? Yeah. I did also watch... Uh, More like I was ben like... Ben Horny. Oh, we should get back into watching an episode a week for the podcast of Twin Beaks. At least an episode. <laughs> Well, technically, you watched it. You did. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and I pulled up. Uh, I think it's on Paramount as well. I think that's the one that I pulled up. Mm-hmm. Um. So I pulled up Paramount and I went and watched it because when I'm just watching it on my computer at work, even though I have the nice Blu-rays, I'm just watching it on my computer and I don't have a Blu-ray player. Uh. And so it was just like next episode, episode three, and I was like part way in, and then we got to the uh. Like whole pacifism speech thing, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wait a minute! I'm pretty positive that we watched this, like after we watched Devil in a Blue Dress or something." Yeah, but so that was the one that we watched. That like probably last episode we were like equivocating of like what episode did we watch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that one. <laughs> okay, we, were, we watched it together. There was a fair amount that I did not remember because time had passed. Yeah, and uh, the thing about Twin Peaks is I've seen it enough times that like. If I didn't watch it recently, a lot of the stuff just blends together. Yeah. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks happens. But like Dick Tremaine showed up and I remember us just being excited about Dick Tremaine showing up.
1: Um, Right. Because Albert is like, oh, Wyndham Earl is on the loose
2: again. Yeah. Wyndham Earl gets mentioned. Yeah. For like the first time. And I was like, I know that came up. Yeah. And I'm the only person who has like, it's not the best part of season two by a long shot, but I think I'm like fonder on Wyndham Earl than basically anybody else I know.
3: I okay.
1: Right now I'm going to say on this podcast, I like Windermere and I know I know that in like 3 weeks we're I, I'm going to regret saying that. <laughs> I know that very soon I'm going to regret saying I like Windermere. But I just all I remember right now is that he kills people with chess pieces well, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's great.
2: <laughs> anyway. Um that was you were looking at. Uh, yeah, I, would just want, I just wanted to know. It was, it. It, it was in like our closet where we like have drinks and stuff, um, and I was like grabbing various stuff from it, including like a drink once, and I just accidentally brought this in here, um, and then I haven't put it back out. But most likely, I'll grab it sometime when I have to go into the office. Yeah. When I just want to have that. But it's a it's a, a tuk-boki, um like instant thing, like for ramen. Yeah. Um, but instead, it's like the rice cake, the tukboki yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, I just saw a bright pink object that I didn't recognize. Yeah, and I felt compelled to pick it up.
2: Um, <clears throat> yeah, it just randomly made its way in here. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done recording a podcast, I like already have to gather up my like glasses and stuff. Yeah, because I, I bring a fair number of drinks in.
3: Yeah, you have you have
1: two bottles of water and a glass of tea right now. Yeah. Um, this one I'm is kind of my... bummed. I finished my tea. I don't. I don't usually go for black tea, but when I'm here I drink black tea cuz
2: that's what you drink. Yeah. Um and you make it pretty good. Um when I did uh Ghost Divers last night, I was also drinking this, which this is my like uh electrolyte tablet thingy. Oh.
3: Um
2: but people can hear in like 3 weeks the Ghost Divers episode.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Where um right before we hit record, like basically right before Connor joined, I had a thing of sparkling water, like a can of it, um, because I enjoy bubbly drinks when I'm recording. It helps my throat while I'm talking a lot. Um, And I pushed the tablet that like fizzes up like Alka-Seltzer, not thinking about how adding that to an already fizzy drink was going to just cause it to, like, start rocketing. <laughs> and, and I just did my normal response where you're, like, holding something, like, right in front of you and it starts fizzing up, which is I just put my mouth over it. So it was just, like, <laughs> shooting into my mouth. Uh, and I had already joined the Discord call. So, like, literally, like, the moment it stops fizzing into, like, just into me, Connor joins, and I just try to act normal <laughs> until they revealed it to him on the podcast. So, uh, anyway. I need,
1: um... This week, hopefully, I need to find a time to rope you into, um, <clears throat> so there are a bunch of um, Chinese grocery stores on my street, mm. and I need to, to, maybe like on Saturday or something, wrangle, I think I close this Saturday, so the Saturday might be good, like in the morning, just wrangle you into coming to the grocery store with me, because I just, I get nervous when I don't know the language, but I just, I just want another thing of Genmaicha. And I need, um, there's like one or two other things I need. But the main thing is, I just need more Genmaicha. And I, I know that I could walk in there and buy a Genmaicha, no problem. I would simply look for where tea was, even if I couldn't read shit. Like, there's gonna be a big tea aisle, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I just need more Genmaicha. Yeah. I, I have some Sencha right now, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. Absolutely not.
2: What made you such a tea snob?
1: You haven't made me a tea snob. You just, I like green tea and you, you were like, would you like green tea that tastes roasted my favorite part of coffee? And I'm like, oh, I I would like green tea that tastes a little kind of has a similar flavor note as coffee. Yes, I would like that. Yeah. But, but they don't sell that at just like Jewel, So now I got to go somewhere else and I probably should just go myself, but I'm going to wrangle you into it.
2: And then you'll know where it is.
1: And then I'll know where it is. Yeah. And then I'll also go in there and be like, oh, I'll pick up these because Nora and I eat a lot of Chinese food and I would like to start to learn how to make things, you know? Yeah. Um, I need to, we've talked about this before. I need to just get into the habit of checking out cookbooks from the library or, or like maybe like getting them on my Kindle or something. Um but I need to get in the habit of going to cookbooks a little more because I get most of my recipes from uh, YouTube and I'm starting to find YouTube. I've learned so much cooking stuff from YouTube. I think YouTube is great for instructional material, but when I'm just looking for recipes, I'm starting to find YouTube to be really grating. Cause like the best thing you can do is just like go to a channel you like and scroll until you hit something and it's not indexed in any way, you know? Yeah. So I need to just, I need to pick up a like Chinese cookbook and just, you know, start doing stuff.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think of like what else I've really been doing though. in terms of media stuff.
1: I, um, I, I'm in a frustrating place. I think <clears throat> because I'm just getting my feet under me with work. And because I've been a little too like productivity brain, I've been playing a little Monster Hunter, I've been playing a little Hades, I've been reading some comics, but not as many comics as I was a week ago, but still, like, more than most people, I don't know. Like, I even stopped reading comics, I'm just reading less, and to me, that feels like stopping.
2: You know? Yeah. Um. I mean, I read a little bit of Berserk. Um, not too much, but I'm, like, picking away at that. Watched a lot of Tourney. I want to introduce a segment to the podcast. Um. Okay. Let me, let me finish my things real quick. You, you go. Yes. Well, this is the other funny thing where I was messaging you being like, Oh, you're all ahead of me in Star Trek is that I'm like way ahead of you in Turn A right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm eight episodes from the end. I've, I watched episode 20 <clears throat> this
1: week and I was like, wow, I got to watch more Turn A." and yeah. I watched one episode this um, week. <laughs> I,
2: I would be done with Turn A if I didn't have to watch Iron-Blooded Orphans for Ghost Divers Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks in a row because of a weird way that scheduling stuff got messed up. Um, And I was like resentful Mm -hmm. this week that I had to watch Iron-Blooded Orphans, the end of season one, which is some good episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some really good episodes in there. And I was just like, well, we could be watching the end of tourney right now (laughs) Um, because I I like Iron-Blooded Orphans a lot. It's a really good show. Uh, it's not Mm. Doesn't look like A. Shit's not happening like Turney. Mikaizuki is yeah. an interesting character, but it's not Leoran. Yeah, Leron the best Gundam boy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the rankings right under his judo, but it's like beating out judo. You know, mm-hmm. also best Gundam boy ever. So, um, yeah. Anyway, new segment.
1: New segment. This is gonna be a non-homophobia zone <clears throat> exclusive, I think.
2: Oh, um, am I gonna to have to like cut this? Are we still in non-homophobia zone?
1: I thought we were in the non-homophobia zone.
2: I thought this was just like because you did the whole intro and stuff. I did do the intro. I, I just I, thought this was episode this whole time. <laughs> I was talking about Twin Peaks, I was talking about Columbo. All this that stuff the, was like episode. This,
1: this could be the episode. I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so if you lis- everybody if you're listening to this. Right now. Uh-huh. And you're like, this is a fun energy. They don't always bring this energy. It's kind of like weird and freewheeling and they're just like randomly talking about cookbooks now for a little bit and like yeah. going shopping for tea. Yeah. Um I never hear them talk like this. It's because you're homophobic and you haven't been listening past Bella Lugosi's Dead, but now you know what you're missing.
1: Yeah, you have to listen to all of Bella Lugosi's Dead, but then there's usually a little bonus segment at the end of the show. After Bella Lugosi's dad, where we just kind of bullshit like this. Yeah. Um, I just... If I realized we were doing the show, I probably would have done more of an intro, you know?
2: I mean, this <laughs> could be non homophobia Zone. We could be in the
1: show. I don't know. Listeners, there will be a poll on the Patreon. After you listen to this episode, tell <laughs> us whether you think this should have been before, you think this should have been the start of the show, or if you think this should have been... <laughs> I also, I had like a, 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 an announce, a minor announcement, uh, following up on the bracket talk from, um, <laughs> from last week, <laughs> uh, that I was going to like lead the show with maybe if this was going to be, um, <laughs> you're doing the poll on private Twitter right now. I want to
3: put the poll on
1: Patreon after the episode well, is but already this out. Is,
2: this poll is going to decide where we put it. In the actual edit, okay, okay, and then after on the Patreon, there's going to be a poll for if you agree with the decision.
1: I just, I just want you to know that you tweeting a poll on your private Twitter is incredible <laughs> non-homophobia zone energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm still workshopping a name. But much like you have the, uh, the family, the back of the family video where you talk about, um, weird erotic movies you watched. I just thought, um, like, we could just do, like, I talk about comics on Coffee and Comic Books, but, like, um, you and me have a specific overlap in taste that doesn't come up as much on Coffee and Comic Books, so I thought I would just, you know, also bring a, uh, Bring this to you, and i was thinking maybe like the Jose beat to, is a sort of like play on shoujo beat, you know? Yeah, um, that's cute. Where we, I, I, just want to talk to you about some uh, shojo stuff I've been reading lately, and some Jose stuff. Um, do you want do you want to talk about Nana first, or do you want to talk about a thing you haven't read? Um, I'll do a thing I have you haven't yeah, read. So I'm... you're you're typing, you're doing your thing. So I I think that you should read Blank Canvas. Um, I don't have the name of the mangaka in front of me, uh, but I think you would really enjoy Blank Canvas, My So-Called Artist's Journey. Um, It is a manga about um, this woman who, uh, uh, searching for words here. She, so the the mangaka is the, uh, did Princess Jellyfish, did Tokyo Tarareba girls did a number of has done a very a number of very successful manga first got uh popular with a, a book that I'm not really familiar with and I can't conjure the name right now about her being a single mother um and doing manga basically yeah um <clears throat> so uh blank canvas the thing I'm reading um is she's 36 or 37 Um, you know, her kids, uh, like probably 10 now, I would guess. I don't know. Um, and, uh, she is looking back at, um, the, the man, like her, her as a student in high school and college and her relationship with the man who taught her like how to draw basically like the man who like taught her a lot of what she knows about manga and um, it's just like autobiographical. It's really interesting. Um, it hits really close to home uh, for both of us. I'm um, uh, texting you to say I voted non homophobia zone.
2: <laughs> and my, my vote counts for 10. <laughs>
1: um, okay. Well, I guess we're in the non homophobia zone. Um,
2: so, I mean, there's still 13 minutes left in this poll.
1: Yeah. So, do we have to vamp for 13 minutes then?
2: Well, we're talking about Jesse Montgomery. Yeah. Right now.
1: Yeah. So, blank canvas autobiography um I just I just think you'd really like it. Um I think that you would recognize um a lot of like little little narrative like tricks, like little like gimmick is like to mean tropes, tropes. Yeah. That are just like pulled straight from Nana into here. Like like her cartooning style is very, very, very different from Yuzawa-ai. But I think her writing style is similar. And I think you would get a lot out of that. Yeah. I also just think it's a like, you know, you are also 36 or 37, I think, and a mom. Um not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm almost that old.
2: I'm about to be 35. <laughs> this is going back to why I was depressed. <laughs> um it's just I have a lot of birthday related trauma.
3: Mhm.
1: Anyway, um yeah, I just think you'd really like Blank Canvas um and you should check it out. Um and it's also it so so part of the 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 nana of it all, yeah, is that every chapter is like oh sensei, I was so foolish then. I, if only I knew what I know now. And you're like, Sensei's definitely dead. That MF is so dead. <laughs> the only reason she is writing this is because she went to his funeral like a month before she started doing this. Like, that MF dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And they like, there's like a little cliffhanger at the end of each chat. Like, not cliffhanger, an emotional cliffhanger of like the narration is like like you'll just get like a panel of just like snow falling and there's um narration in the center about like regrets and I'm like that's nana nana is happening right now yeah um speaking of regrets I read volume 9 of nana <laughs>
2: <laughs> why regrets
1: <laughs> i'm sad now i okay so i finished volume 8 volume 8 is where hachi finds out she is pregnant yeah i have spoilers for nana spoilers
2: for nana is probably going in the non homophobia zone. I think it's very funny for this to be the start of the episode. It's very funny. Coming, I think this is going in the non homophobia zone.
1: <laughs> um so um volume 8 Hachi finds out that she is pregnant. And I put I purposefully put off reading volume 9 because I was like I cannot bear because I know, I knew what was going to happen. You even... This was stuff that had not been spoiled for me. What I knew... Was that at some point... Like... Nana and Hachi would no longer be living together. Right? Uh, And I knew... When she got pregnant... That she was going to end up like... In Takami's web. And that like... Nana would be trying to get her back...
2: But have trouble talking about her feelings... And would also be, like, particularly struggling with it because of her, like, internalized issues with motherhood as a concept because
3: of her yes. mom.
1: Yes, yes. Well, and also, it's like, when she goes to talk to Yasu, instead of talking to Hachi in that moment, I knew that this was going to be a particularly painful, like, miscommunication of, like, sure, like, like... Nana should have gone there that night and talked to Hachi, not talked to Yasu. Yeah. But also, like, like I, I don't blame her. I'm not upset with her about that. I'm not upset with her, like, being like needing a minute to process and doing that and, and talking to Yasu. Um, the only thing, it, like, it's so obvious that Takumi is going to use that time to manipulate and abuse Nana. Or to abuse Hachi and that's, you
2: know, what he does. Yeah. Um I mean the uh But like uh, Volume 9 uh, has the glass breaking scene. Yes. Which is I you knew that there was a part where the glass breaks and it's like around probably where the relationship sort yes. of is like splitting. Yes. The thing that I never explained to you, and again, full nana spoilers here, is that when the glass breaks, it is specifically like a misunderstanding that is happening mm-hmm. where uh already, like, Takumi is sort of manipulating and, um, you know, put it, like, Hachi's in this normal position and he's taking advantage of it and he's speaking for her in a way where he gets to control the narrative uh-huh. in the way that she doesn't. And then he takes her into the room and rapes her mm-hmm. for, like, having sex with another man. Mm-hmm. But Nana doesn't know that that's what's happening. She just hears sex. Yes. And she just hears, like, oh this relationship that was very important to me is now, like, breaking down. It's also breaking down around this idea of motherhood, which is this thing that I have trauma around. Yeah. And she just goes into, like, full panic attack, like, fugue state. It's not just the girl. I knew... And, like, all of her trauma prevents her from being able to do anything to stop what's happening. Yeah. So...
1: Well, and it's, it's the... It's her, like, tossing the other glass on the floor and then sort of, like,
2: being, like in this weird like internal logic of you said it would be sad if one broke so yeah. now they're like both broken and they can be broken together
1: well and, and 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 like her um her being um like losing memories or not you know like not remembering throwing her phone away not remembering um like obviously i think like i assume uh she took a Piece of the glass from the strawberry and like cut her cheek on it somehow. I
2: think there's a a moment when it breaks where it, it flies up and hits her.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. um, it just it sucks, dude. It yeah. sucks because because Takami has been the most wretched piece of shit motherfucker in the book in in like any book anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Takami has been horrible but just like this moment of just like the 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 sort of like there's like a uh, he's his horribleness has been very quiet very like like a spider like bringing hachi into his web and and bringing like rara into his lab web blah, 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 blah. um uh like yeah But, but the, the, the violence of the rape scene, um, is, is just, it sucks. It's awful. And it's like, you know, that's not me saying, oh, it shouldn't be there. I like, I think it is a good, I think it is like, if, if, if I'm Yuzawa and I'm writing the story, like. Like that is a twisting of the knife that is like very necessary to the story. I think yeah. you know. Um,
2: but uh, it's ableist to not like Takumi because he is shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck. Up. I hate the. I hate this argument that it exists. In the, it's a. It's a small subset. Most Nana fans hate Takumi as they rightfully should.
1: Well, it's it's it also just sucks because I, things I I can tell
2: you I don't want to say on the air. Personal yeah.
1: experiences, uh, regardless. Anyway. Yeah,
2: uh, I I have multiple friends who are in abusive relationships with somebody who used their like specific, you know, uh, being on the spectrum or whatever as an mm. excuse for their yes. like often malicious and like intentionally yes. manipulative yes uh, behaviors yes
1: and. I'm nodding my yeah. head and i I can give you specifics because we both hate this person anyway,
2: but <laughs> well i I have uh like other friends too
3: who who yeah.
2: have been in this situation yeah um and obviously that is not like a, a thing. I think also part of why I hate that argument so much is that it like assumes that that people who you know have... And one of yeah. any of these spectrum things are like incapable of preventing themselves from hurting others or yeah. something, and it's like, yeah, that's not even what it fucking is. It's like, it's
1: like, yeah, talk, talk of me having like some sort of disorder. Like people with that disorder or whatever, you know, don't just rape people. That's not like a symptom. Yeah. Is that
2: like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I just rape people. That's a thing I do. Like yeah. that's not fuck off. Shut up. And like you haven't got. I, I think that as it goes on to. Kizawa is good at showing the reasons why Takami, as a person, has has like developed where he lacks empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. That like he faced difficulties that in his life that have led to him being this cold person. Mm-hmm. But none of it feels like it excuses I think, any of his behavior. I think
1: Yuzawa is like such a masterful writer at doing like, um, peeling back the backstory and showing you like here's what made this person this way people people do not just arrive in the world broken in the way that like n- like this is saying broken feels harsh but yeah like nana is not born with trauma rayra is not born with trauma I, like shin a character who feels like he is born into trauma he is not He's not born that way.
2: He's gone through some shit after his birth. Yeah.
1: Trauma is inflicted upon people. Yeah. And and she she does such an incredible job of like I will show you that trauma. That doesn't make that doesn't make present behavior. That's not an excuse for their present behavior. Yeah. And I think she's so good at balancing like like a balancing those things of like yeah. you know, that's not an excuse. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, here here are the reasons why this person did this thing that they did or why this person behaves the way they do. But like, you know, I was hurt so I will hurt people in the same way is not an excuse. And that's like the thing that ultimately I think made volume 9 so good and now the thing that I'm anxious about reading the rest of the series for is that Nana immediately she has the conversation with Yasu There's some misconnection, and she she sort of like takes her anger out on Nobu and on Shin and on like everybody else. And then she immediately realizes, like, hey, I'm taking my anger out on other people. Hey, I like is it doesn't feel fair that I need to be the one to go get Hachi back, but you know, whether it's fair or not, that's what needs to happen here. Like, Nana like has the trauma response and then realizes I need to change my behavior. And then she does it. (laughs) Yeah. You
2: know? I mean, the manga is going to continue. Nade is going to continue to struggle with like having trauma and the ways that that limits your ability to like Mm -hmm. be there for other people. But Uh in a way that is distinct from Takumi. Yeah, that's Who is not attempting to do... Uh, I don't think it really attempts to do better throughout it. There are parts where like by circumstance I think he develops a more complex relationship with Hachi Mm -hmm. that's interesting and feels real and natural but I don't think it's coming from that same place of like I have to deal with my stuff in Mm -hmm. order to try to like connect with the people that I care about and make sure that I'm not uh, hurting them or never able to be there for them when they need me. Yeah and
1: so that's the other thing is that like I'm excited to read the rest because I I truly I don't have the faintest inkling of what happens from here, from here yeah. you know
2: and I thought you that know was like g- one big spoiler i, I know
1: think. one big spoiler it's but just it's like sometimes... the very
2: end of what exists
3: <sighs>
1: I fucking know Ren's gonna die. Like yeah. I knew that the first time the sh- the dude showed up on panel. I'm like, oh, that dude's dead. Like, oh, Ren not living through this mount. <laughs> like it's obvious. He's like every five minutes. He's like, oh, it would be horrible if I died young. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah. But
2: <laughs> if you're if you're reading it and you didn't like fully it, there's this whole part where it's then. Oh, is it going to be Nana or something as mm-hmm. well instead? Um, there's a part where it plays with that. But
1: yeah. So I don't have the faintest inkling, and so. I'm excited to sort of see. Um, I don't think Yazawa like lets characters off the hook that easy. Like you see it so much in Hachi breaks up with Takami, and then ends up like right back because 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 she has such a hard time committing to any one thing because just habitually she can say she's broken up with him, but she lets him back in. She can you, you know, and, and that's not on her. I don't don't, want to put
2: that solely on her in any way. Um, Yeah, she's struggling with her own, like, uh, there's misogyny that exists in the world about how women aren't supposed to like sex. Yeah. And And she's struggling with, like, some of that being internalized and also just the external version of it. And and you see it with, like, she knows
1: that she should probably stop seeing that businessman and she keeps doing it. She knows that, like, uh, the boyfriend at the start that she moves to Tokyo for, is a shit bag, and she keeps seeing him. You know? Like, this is a thing that Hachi struggles with, and then she ends up in a man, with a man who's gonna really just, like, manipulate that. Um, I think Yuzawa is very good at, like, recognize, like, getting a character to a moment of recognition. Hachi will have, like, hmm, I have this problem where I keep doing this. But she's not... I have a problem where, like, I, I have, like, trauma responses in my life, and I can recognize, hmm, I'm having a trauma response. I'm, I'm behaving this way because of, like, my past. That doesn't stop me from doing the thing, you know? And I think, like, uh, Yuzawa does such a great job of making it, like, understandable and realistic the way that characters take two steps forward and one step back, you know, or one step forward and one step back even, you know, Um, and not, it doesn't feel frustrating. It doesn't feel like Hachi, why are you still doing this? You know, like it just feels very real. Um, And so I'm excited to see the way, the ways that Nana is going to bump up against that. And then the ways I, I'm interested to see, I don't think all through all of volume nine, I kept waiting for, like this, here's the little, here's the thing is that Takumi is just going to decide, no, I'm not going to marry her or, or there will be like, Nana will come to your rescue. She'll be like the knight in shining armor and she'll get the damsel out of the castle, you know? And I don't think that Yazawa is like such a uh, sim- simple writer. I think it, yeah. she, I don't, I don't think she's going to introduce the storyline and then just like Get Hachi off the hook. She she might buy volume fifteen or something, but I don't think in volume ten like all of this is going to be undone. Or if all of this is going to be undone, I'm gonna be like, oh god, she was better off in that other situation. Like, oh no, something horrible has happened. Yeah, I want to like I genuinely don't know like if that kid is gonna be born or what because like I have no I have no perception through osmosis of like. There is a child in this manga going forward, which makes me think that something bad is going to happen. As far as that goes, you know, or that people have been weirdly quiet about how there is a child in the manga going forward, and you're not responding to me, which makes me think it's going to be the bad thing. (laughs) I'm just not responding. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I'm. I'm just part of my I'm
2: not because. So you know, I read Nana for the very first time. Um, just like picking up random volumes of Shoujo Beat at mm. bookstores and reading it, which meant that I had a very disjointed, like I, I was not reading through in a chronological order. So I'm, I was like aware of very specific scenes or things that happen, but not like how everything ties together, mm. you know? Um, and I think it's a manga that like, cause characters are developing those characters and showing how they like their actions inform further actions and everything is I think like a big part. Mm-hmm. Of the manga, it means that I didn't like fully know what it was, I just had this fondness for it, but it also meant that there were various things that I just knew going in because I'd read the chapter where stuff happened. Mm-hmm. So I went into it knowing everything, I knew that the pregnancy was coming, I knew what was going to happen with it, all of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but I'm intentionally not saying anything because yeah. I just want you to find it out yeah. yourself. I'm not yeah. staying silent because that if it was the good thing, I wouldn't be staying silent or whatever. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, I'm just staying. silent. I, I am just speculating. Um, um In all of this, we're, we're talking a little bit about Nana.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, so the other thing that I think is related to, to what you were saying is there's been interviews where she talks about, cause people will ask her, how is it going to end? Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously you're not going to get like, she wants to finish it someday. She's not just going to tell people how she wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a certain amount of her being like, Oh, I truly don't know. And I, I think she's got ideas. She know? she, has... she knows that she knows at some point for sure that Ren is going to die. Yes. Before it happens. But I still the thing that she says that I think is still true about her general writing process is that she doesn't really know what's going to happen next mm-hmm. because her focus is like having characters and having those characters do things that feel true to them. Yes. And like who they are, what they're dealing with, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously there's still a certain amount of planning. Where is this going to go? But like moment to moment, I think she sits down and it truly is just like, I know these characters. I know the heart of them. I know the stuff that they're dealing with. And I am writing it, just knowing them and finding out in the process, how Mm -hmm. is this going to go? Because I know where they are right now. Um. It just,
1: it's, It's such an awful thing for her, you know, to just like, like, I, I just imagine being her and just like, like, I, you know, if I were her, I'd be like, I don't care if I never get to do another new book or whatever, It, it would just suck knowing like, if I could just, you know, be able to sit down and do like X number of chapters, I could at least finish this. Yeah. I could have like my you know my opus done. Yeah. It, it just I, I I really feel for her. It must just be awful to be in the position of like I can't finish the one thing. Starting something else, that's that's one thing. Not being able to finish, especially getting so deep in, yeah. you know. Like it's one thing if Nana ended like three volumes in or something. That would suck. Yeah. But just being so far along with it and not being able to like finish it, that must, you know, really well, hurt.
2: Yeah. And we'll see if she's ever, ever able to pick it up or, you know, maybe she gets to a point where she's like, I'm going
1: to write it and my assistants will do all the art or I don't yeah. know.
2: Um, I don't know exactly what's going to. It is a thing where I think she very genuinely does want to finish it though.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: Well, and that would, su- that would suck too to feel like, you know, for 20 volumes, I was the person and then you know having to say to yourself like i just have to be at a place where my assistants are gonna finish this for me and uh, yeah and i'm sure she had assistants like i don't know I, she has such a interesting art style i would believe it if she has like an assistant that does lettering but nothing else or something like i would believe it if she mm-hmm. if she's very sparse on the use of assistants, just because it's like it's like characters which like if, if i'm her i don't want to hand off like drawing the characters to other people. And then it's like photos for backgrounds, you know, or, or just like, here's the corner of the room. You get it. It's a studio, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, you know what, if I were her, I'd have assistants drawing guitars and stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm not drawing that shit. Someone else can look at a photo of a drum for two hours. And yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> I'm drawing Nana and I'm getting well, <laughs> cuz there there's 21 volumes out and there's enough chapters that it's like 45 pages away from what would normally become the next volume. I think there's I think she's being intentional about still not releasing that stuff. Yeah, cuz I that would be cuz where the volume ends feels like a certain amount of her saying if I'm not able to finish it, I want this to be the end. Mhm. Um and I've written a little bit past it, but mm-hmm. um. Anyway, we we should start the actual episode proper soon. Yeah. Uh, before we do, I just want to everybody listening to this. So people who follow me on my locked account, I've already heard this, but I just want more people to know. And you've made it to the end of the non-homophobia zone. I wanna. I wanna. M- people may not fully get this if they don't know much about non. But in the Yazawa Eye fan Discord. There is somebody who's decided to read through Nana chronologically, which one is just like an impossible task anyway, because stuff jumps, like first volume, the Osaki Nana chapter stuff jumps around, right?
1: This, this is, I have decided to read Infinite Jest from page one to page a thousand. I will not be looking at the footnotes until I get there. <laughs>
2: Like this is it's even but it's even stranger than that though <laughs> because
1: it's not it's not that it's like I have decided that I will read page like six hundred and three and then I will jump back to page three hundred and twenty. Well,
2: but like I haven't read Infinite Jest, but I'm assuming it's a thing that is more I haven't read Infinite Jest. It is I've more decided. intentionally about like the weird forms of writing. Yeah, where like you know. Various things of ways of reading Dictionary of the Khazars, like any way that you choose to read that book is legitimate. It's a very bizarre book in that way. Yeah, yeah. You you, you can approach it however you want.
1: I'm not even talking about Infinite Jest at this point. This is like picking up, like, you know, Nial's Saga and being like, I shall read Mm, page
2: 223.
1: Now I shall read page 136. Now I will jump ahead to 309. Well,
2: but this is still like a linear work. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's fairly chronological. Yeah. The thing I really want to emphasize here is that it's not even like Memento. Memento is a thing, the movie, Mm -hmm. is a thing that is about like things being out of chronological order and the strangeness of that in a way where I, even though I think it's the wrong impulse, I understand the impulse to then watch it where it happens in chronological order to see what is revealed. Mm. But this is just like... uh. A, a normal, th- to me, this is more like somebody going to like something like Daughters of the Dust and being like, I want to watch this in chronological order. And it's like, uh-huh. what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> How do you even determine what is chronological order? The The form of this is such mm-hmm. that like you are reading a chapter where something is happening in quote unquote the present. while then somebody in the future is talking to someone about like the first day that they met or yeah. something as like a voiceover. Yeah. like. linear time does not matter in that way to Nana because it's an entire work about memories and talking to a person who's currently missing from your life as you think about the past and the first time that you met. Speaking of. So anyway they started with like uh the Takumi chapter that doesn't come up until like volume 17 or something. Insane. And then and they're like reading the other bonus chapters and so the the next one after it also doesn't have Nana really in it. Of, like these like bonus story chapters that happened fairly late in the, the yeah. volume run um and then w- was like about to start the first one that's like a backstory about how nobu and nana met and then they're posting the discord being like i don't understand why you would do it this way and i'm
3: like why did you did do it this way <laughs> no she did not do it this way you made that up <laughs>
2: you're lying it's called Nana I've read two chapters and I still haven't met anyone named Nana and it's like shut the fuck up (laughs) why would they do it this way she didn't one of them exists to just like give you some background on Trapness as a band so you like understand those characters a little bit more
1: I thought I heard a noise (laughs) Scammerink.
2: yeah uh, and the other one exists specifically to give you the first one that you read specifically to give you background on Takumi after you've like been seeing him just be a horrible like abuser and manipulator to like understand his past. It's, speaking of, and his fucked up relationship with Raider. In volume nine, there is a
1: bonus chapter about the drummer for Trap Trapnest. Mm.
2: I fully looked at that and decided. I don't care. That's the most... Of the of the bonus stories. Okay, cool. I read, like, the so last... So that one, you're, you'll get a little bit of background about various members of Trap Nest. I think you'll, like, get a little bit about Blast as well. Like, I think Ren shows up in it and stuff. Yeah. But it's just, I... like, them as kids, and you get a little bit of, like, how they know each other. The biggest thing it's revealing is that, like, they all go back uh-huh. a ways. you know? Um... I read, like, the last five pages because, like,
1: there was, there was something that caught my eye. I was like, oh, I do kind of want to know about, like, Yasu and Rayra's break. Ray, I can't say Rayra. I just, I, I, I want to say Layla. Yeah. I just like, and I get it. Yeah, I'm probably just going to say Layla because it yeah. just messes me up. Connor um, also did
2: this when we did the episode. Just... <laughs> yeah, I, there,
1: so there's like a scene from like Yasu and Layla's breakup, and I was like, I read that, I think. But yeah. I, because also, he just like starts showing up a little more in volume nine, and I'm just like, truly, I was like, who is this? Everybody's talking like Naoki, right? Yeah, Naoki. And I was just like, everybody keeps talking like, oh yeah, our buddy Naoki, he's here too. And I'm like, who is Naoki? (laughs) (laughs) That man has not been in this book this The one thing I kind of like about
2: Naoki, because he just kind of continues to be this guy, which just means all this drama is happening and Naoki just shows up being like, oh Hachi, your house is cute. (laughs) Yes. It's is. just fun to have the friend who's just not involved in the drama.
1: Yes. Especially him being the drummer. He's like, I show up. I do one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I leave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I come over. I think Hachi's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, she seems nice. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of tension happening right now. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of the pretty face.
1: <laughs> it's also, it's really funny. Um, one last thing about Volume 9, generally. Yeah. The the whole Shin and Layla storyline is really, Yazawa is having so much fun with just, like, the ways in which, like like, Nana and Nobu and Yasu have no idea. Like, like they don't, they yeah. don't, they do not know how fucked that whole situation is going to be. <laughs> and it's like clearly nothing good is going to happen there. There's yeah. no way that any of that situation turns out well. Um, and everyone just seems oblivious to it. Um, it's such a fun little just like,
2: mm, yum, 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 drama. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think of all the people not as the one who, who could know, um, but you get that whole scene with like, uh, you know, Hachi being like, oh, I'm sure Shin, your your parents care about you and miss you, you should go home. Um, and coming from like sort of a place of obliviousness around like the kind of deep family trauma that could exist uh and then nano like the moment shin starts opening up but then also is like oh you're just gonna tell me i'm sure What's... your parents worry about you and i was just like uh no i hate my mom my mom hates me and i don't know who my dad is so i understand that sometimes parents truly do just hate their children it's like okay i guess we're just in it together for hating our parents well it's like <laughs> okay
1: who can who can shin talk to about layla he talked to Hachi, but Hachi's, like, a little too self-involved to, like, say anything helpful other than, like, you should follow your heart, Shen. Thanks, Hachi. Great. Yeah. Cool. Very actionable advice. He could tell Nobu, and Nobu would be like, that sounds complicated. You want to have a smoke, kid? <laughs> he could tell Yasu... If it was
2: anybody else... Yasu would be like, this is bad for business.
1: Yeah. If it was anybody else on the planet, Yasu would be like, this seems bad for business, but we're going to figure out a way to handle it. But it's Layla, and so he'll be like, sunglasses on, this is bad for business. He'll be the most fucked up. (laughs) And he could tell Nana, but Nana is not going to help. Nana's like, we can't both be dating people in Trap Nest. (laughs) You got to break up with her. (laughs) No, I'm not breaking up with Ren. Uh, I'm breaking up with Ren when I feel like it, but I'm coming back when I feel like it. <laughs> anyway, we're at, we're at an hour. We should probably do the podcast.
2: This is maybe the longest non episode yet.
1: It's it's fine. I did my Jose beat. Um, we're gonna talk about.
2: Three... You got me to talk about Nana, so we went. We we're gonna talk about three movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me make a little mark so I can edit this easily. Also, uh, three to one. One person said, "Put it as the start of the episode." Three people said, "Non-homophobic," mm-hmm. and at that point, we kind of just committed to non-homophobia. Yeah. So, see you later. Bye.